Good morning, guys. I'm waiting on my uh, co-host to get here. Um, we just chatted um, a little bit ago, so she should be here soon. Um, and I am going to get us started as soon as she gets in here. But in the meantime, um, I am going to go ahead and I see some of my favorite folks in the room. Thank you guys for being here. I'm going to go ahead and send you guys some invites. So uh, you can already be up here um, at speaker. So um, I'm glad to have you here. I hope all of your day, uh, all of you are, um, you know, have a good day. Here she is. Let me send my invite to my fabulous co-host. Uh, and it, while she is getting into place, um, sent out um, some um, invites. And um, okay, there is, okay, Jima Riri is here. Um, and I have Joseph up and um, Glad to see you here, Danny and Gambit, and I would love to have you guys in the conversation, and please forgive me. Um, the allergies have moved in on me <laughs> today. I woke up with swollen eyes, a lot of congestion, you know, uh, tis the season, but I am so happy to be here with you guys, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So um, I'm not going to waste too much time and go ahead and get us started because, you know, here in Advocacy Arena, we come here, have these conversations um, every week and sometimes more frequently uh, to bring awareness um, and solutions, if possible, to the issues that are affecting us in our society. And I thank all of you for being a part of this community and a part of these conversations that we have, because I do feel that we're all made um, a, a little bit smarter from them and um, often inspired. I know I am inspired by you guys. So um, thank you again for being here and please share and retweet the space. I am going to give my co-host an opportunity to say good afternoon to you guys and then we'll get the conversation started. So, you know, don't be shy. Come on up and um, join us in the conversation and um going to turn it over to Soul Sister, and then I'll start with Jima Riri and Joseph, who have uh, joined us on the stage. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone is um, <laughs> not suffering <laughs> with the allergies. Oh, my I God. I, many of us are. I, I woke up this morning like, what? I, I could hardly see. And last night I went to bed thinking, boy, I need to really get this eye exam done. I need new glasses. Yeah. And <laughs> little did I know it was yeah. the allergies already moving in. <laughs> Yeah, the cut grass, the dandelions, and the pollen, everything is, uh, it is the season of sinus and allergies, so here we are, but, um, you know, uh, there doesn't seem to be as much dark money news today as um, there has been, but uh, there, there are a few stories from Moms for Liberty that I'm going to put up that um keep they they keep being exposed more and more and so we just want to keep them in mind uh and the connections that they have to basically tearing down our democracy and um hey we just have to keep our eye on things because uh it's not going away 
you are absolutely right. And um, I appreciate that um, you did mention them because you guys know I have kind of taken on uh, the dark money topic as a, as a pet project. And I did put up two videos that um, I did uh, manage to complete in my research. And, and they were done really kind of to help me to understand because there's so many layers and the connections are, are so um, vast and, and obscured and crazy and hidden on purpose. And we really do need to understand um, how these things are affecting our democracy um, and the movements that are going on across the country in different areas. Um, I learn something every time I read an article or I do a little investigating about an organization. And I was um, telling um, Soul Sister this morning when I spoke with her, like I had started doing the uh, deep dive into the organizations that are basically funding hate and extremism. And make no mistake, there's lots of big money behind um, these efforts. And I, I started looking, seeing who the board of directors were, seeing when the organizations formed. And I came across the name. It didn't mean anything to me. I just thought, okay, let me put this name on there. And um, I thought, okay. And lo and behold, like a day or so later, I'm reading a story about the veterans who, the homeless veterans who had supposedly been um, put out of a shelter uh, somewhere in New York to make room for uh, uh, immigrants that were being put there, only to find out later that this story was um, a lie that the people that they had interviewed were being paid by uh, someone and uh, digging back a little further, uh, uh, Bader turns out is the one that was funding that little initiative and project. And they are a big dark money group. That's the video that I hope to complete today or tomorrow um, but I have two up there. But this is just an example of what I'm saying is when you start looking at the things that they are doing and seeing who is funding these efforts, like um, of certainly we, we talk about it in in kind of separate terms, like we know a lot of the stories around um, what's her name, um, uh, Jenny Thomas, um, and you know, all of that is connected. So I really do, like I want us to keep up with the top news stories and things that are going on because we have to, um, and certainly the, the elections, the politicians and their stance, their votes, but we really do have to keep an eye on this dark money because it is the driving factor. It is driving it all. And we need to understand that. So that's my little soapbox today. And I'm still going to um, try to find some of these articles. But again, my eyes are. Uh, oh, I posted. I posted um, the ones about the New York uh, and the veterans. I posted. Oh, those. great. I found. Great. Them. Yep. 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 So there's three. Okay. 
One from ABC, one from The Guardian, and then also one from New York Thank Times. you, because I have all these resources, <laughs> yep. but trying to get all of this stuff together and, you know, <laughs> do everything. Sometimes um, I'm a little slow, but thank you so much, uh, Soul Sister. I appreciate that because you know that here in this community, we don't say it if we don't have the receipts. So um, we do have them and we try to share them so that you uh, can also be aware of them and share them as well. So with that being said, uh, I did um, uh, get a DM from uh, Mark, the lawyer, and he's going to be joining us today. And I'm looking uh, forward to hearing him give us some updates and things too, because another attorney that I follow, uh, Glenn Kirshner, who used to be a former prosecutor, um, has um, done some stories about um, one of Trump's former lawyers, and, you know, God knows he's had so many. I cannot think of this man's name, but I, I see his face because he, it, it, he looks, you know, like a, a, a character. He has weird mustache. But anyway, uh, he is actually out here saying that um, he feels like Trump is going to be uh, indicted and um, imprisoned. So I think that's interesting when people like that... Uh, you know, are starting to have those kinds of discussions. So we definitely want to keep up with, you know, the orange demons um, and uh, those that are trying to uh, bring accountability uh, to him. So without further ado, I'm going to get started. And as I said, the order will be um, Jima Riri, Joseph, and then I see Kim is up here, and um, Gambit. Again, thank you guys for being here this morning and looking forward to the conversation. And we're going to get it started. And I'd like for you who are in the gallery to uh, feel free to join us. Don't be shy and definitely share, retweet the space so that those that, you know, aren't able to make it can um, listen later and um, learn uh, and share what we have learned. Uh, so thanks again. So Jima Riri, how are you? I'm good. Uh, good morning, good afternoon to everyone in Advocacy Arena, D Soul Sister. Um, uh, big love shout out to Dr. Mary Marshall, LMC. Um, last week, Dr. Marshall had posted um, it was the anniversary of the Brown versus uh, Board of Education. And in that um, uh, tweet that she had sent, there is literally the picture of my angry white women who are outraged that their children should have to go to school with uh, black American children. And when I was reading that last week, it literally told them this is who the moms of liberty are in 2023 that is exactly what i saw and these moms for liberty are being funded by big gop groups and it, it really was bone chilling for me as a white woman to see that in 2023 this is how deep the indoctrination has gone and the majority of my white women in america are either um, enjoying their white privilege or not educated or complicit, racist, um, what have you, with uh, voting and going against themselves, their daughters, their granddaughters, their children. Um, 
watching Tim Scott. This is how you do not get elected. Uh, It was quite sad listening to the words that that man, that senator said about how he failed civics and how Congress is still failing civics. Um, You are just the poster clown for the GQP right now. And they will eat him alive, too, someday. Um, As soon as they're done with him and they don't need him anymore, they will eat him alive like they do everyone else. It, It was just sad and disturbing. You are a smart, educated man, and you're up there performing like you're Boo Boo the Clown for the GQP. It was really hard to watch. Um, and again, it's it's a great strategy on how not to get elected. Um, the other thing, interestingly enough, I watched this uh, show on Candy Montgomery on HBO Max. I know there's one on Hulu. But what I remember this case. I w- it was from 1978-1979. And it was out of Texas and the Bible Belt. And um, this woman, literally, the evangelical Christian Bible people, this woman literally got away with murder. Um, and her white privilege, her <clears throat> evangelical Bible Belt people, well, she was just such a good woman. She must have snapped. She was not held accountable for that. Um, And I use her as an example because this is who the Republican white women are. They literally think that they are that privileged that the law doesn't apply to them. Uh, Ashley Babbitt, who went in there on January 6th, She thought that she was so privileged that she could go through that window, even while they're telling her, do not go. We will shoot. We will shoot. And then the shock and awe of the messed up, stuck on stupid uh, white Americans to go, she was murdered. No, she wasn't. She was told not to go. She was in the military. She knew better but she really believed that she was that privileged. Um, And and this is my, I guess, my strategy with the white women that are not voting today that I know that sit back because they're very comfortable in their life. These are things that I bring up to them just to try to wake them up and go, yeah, maybe I should make it a priority to go vote. I don't ever want to hear from somebody, I'm too busy to go vote. That is absolutely ridiculous. You have early voting. You have mail-in ballot, especially my white people. And when I'm saying this, I'm referring to the white Americans that sit back and don't vote right. because they are comfortable. I We know about gerrymandering, voter suppression, but for the white people, you're not experiencing that. You can go vote. There's no reason for that. So with that, I'm going to continue to make good trouble. Absolutely. uh, So happy that you're here today, and I'm going to learn, and this is wonderful. 
Thank well, you. Well, Jima Riri, thank you because we do learn from you as well. And I appreciate you um, passing that learning on to your white sisters and, and cousins uh, because it's going to take all of us. Um, and some of them need a little shaking. So, uh, with that being said, um, I am going to change the order a bit, guys, because I uh, do have Mark here and um, he is on a bit of a tight schedule and I really want to get his update so please um, give us a little grace here I'm gonna um, stick Mark into the lineup here and then we'll pick back up where we uh, left off so thank you again so much and Mark thank you for being here I'm so glad we're finally able to connect here in advocacy arena and I uh, can't wait to have the uh, legal updates that I know you're gonna bring to us a lot going on so my man you've got the floor <laughs> So thank you so much, Dee, and, and thank you to everyone uh, for uh, the grace and allowing uh, me to come forward. Uh, Mondays are, are pretty tough, but I, I think this is very important. And I'm making sure I, you can hear me. Can you hear me, Dee? Yes, you're perfect. Okay, awesome. Um, so I, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I just did a recent post. I did mens rea plus actus reus equals justice and, and bars, or I said chains, but... Um, Renee actually sent me a, a link to a, um, a post that I guess that there's evidence that uh, Donald Trump, uh, after he got the subpoena, he told a, a page to go move some documents. Um, that's what you call mens rea, if you ever heard of mens rea. It's like, it's like the, the mental aspect or the intent behind the crime. So it's intent plus the act of the crime equals the crime. But I wanted to focus on gun control because I think we're witnessing something um, pretty significant with regard to the to the court and the Second Amendment, and um, the um, the lack of space, more space that they have to go for the gun control advocates. In our the NRA is at its wit's end. I believe the Supreme Court they're reaching a turning point, um, and I think they're grappling with the delicate balance between the individual right to bear arms, at you know as provided by the Second Amendment through the Heller decision of 2008, right? Because there wasn't an individual right to bear arms, even in the home until 2008. This was a, a Justice Scalia special one where he went back in history and like gave us a history lesson uh, behind the Second Amendment. Uh, I actually kind of miss Scalia these days because now we have you know Gorsuch and Alito and, and Thomas and and Kavanaugh writing these opinions and they're not as intelligent as Alito. And I trust me, even though I disagree with him, he was, he was very intelligent. But I think they're faced with this this uh, increase in the wanton violence and mass deaths they have to they have to now consider these factors and how they interact and and how you know and, and also legislation has to figure out and so I hear everybody I was on a space Renee space last night but she had a great space with youth um, and um, I, I it was one of, it was one of the, the most amazing spaces in addition to all the spaces say that we had before but yes say yeah, it. it was, it was I was space. so it, inspired. It, um, it focused on on youth and and uh, you know uh, connecting with, actually not just talking about connecting, but actually connecting with and, and hearing from from youth. But I still heard, you know, we need to be serious about gun control. We need to get gun control. I still heard these these rhetorical uh, platitudes, even though we talked about platitudes. And, and I really think we need to get specific about what we mean by gun control. And, and we have to look at these cases. I'm, and I'm gonna be referring to Heller and Bruin and also 
you know, what has happened recently with the Supreme Court and why I'm coming to this this belief that they're at a turning point. Um, so the in, in, for the Illinois case that just banned assault weapons, the Supreme Court declined to block a law that bans assault style weapons. While while the legal challenges continue, they, de- they, de- they declined an emergency application. And, and um, Justice Alito was very upset about this. Um, and, and I think I talked about that before. But now, what it means, though, is that is that there is a turning point. They're like, hey, uh, there's NRA and everybody. The Second Amendment is not absolute. And, I'll, you know, just a week later or a week later or two weeks later, um, similarly, in Maryland, the state's new uh, gun control measures have been sued by the NRA. But consequently, learning from Bruin and learning from what was going on in the Illinois case, the Maryland group, they changed the language in the uh, Maryland legislation that was at issue in the Bruin case uh, with regard to uh, pri- uh, carry, private carry uh, permits. Um, and so these little cases are big things. I, I think I saw in an alien movie, it's like sometimes little little things make big problems. Well, these little issues right here are the are some of the biggest fights that are going on in the Supreme Court. And these cases mean a lot. While they're still being disputed, the court is showing a willingness now because they have to, to allow restrictions on gun ownership in the interest of public safety. Even though Justice Thomas and Bruin wrote the history and tradition test that nobody had ever heard of, because you know why he wrote the history and tradition test in Bruin, which changed Heller a little bit. I'm going to go into a little bit about that, um, is that um, there's not too much of a history and tradition of gun control uh, legislation. That we, that's evident in the fact that it wasn't until 2008 that the Supreme Court even found an individual right to carry one's gun inside their own home. Now, remember, Heller was a 2008 case that said there was an individual right to bear arms without the idea of a militia inside your home. There was no there was no Supreme Court decision on carrying a weapon outside the home until lower courts were had these disputes, depending on where you're located in the United States. And then in 2020, Bruin came along. So the takeaway from what's happening now is that the court seems to be moving towards an an interpretation of the Second Amendment that it both respects the individual's right to bear arms and the necessity for public safety. So we have to be specific when we talk about gun control and mindful of the delicate balance when we draft gun control measures and legislation, advocating for those sensible gun control measures that protect our communities, while obviously respecting those, those constitutional rights. This has always been an issue for us with regard to conservatives versus I don't even know what the, I, I, I don't even call us liberals anymore. I don't think we're, I don't think, I don't think we're, we're so liberal. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty moderate. We just want to live. We just want fairness, you know? I mean, I mean if somebody calls me a liberal, I'm like, damn, I, you know, am I? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, um, and I'm going to tell, tell you what Justice Clarence Thomas did. And I, the, the Heller decision, like I said, Scalia and Justice Thomas was his boy, by the way. It's, it's a Supreme Court, like, edumacation. Uh, Justice Thomas never, ever deviated from what uh, um, uh, Antonin Scalia wrote. He always joined and he never had his own little opinion. He might have like a one page concurrence. So we never got to read too much of Clarence Thomas. He's writing the most opinions he's ever written, I think, in his entire 
20 plus career because he is the elder conservative and able to get away with writing some of his zany ideas about conservative aspects of interpretation to the Constitution. And it's not even originalist or textualist. It's like Thomasist, like or whatever you call him. With, with that Jenny touch on it, because, um, you know, all the, the things I, I love that y how you are, um, you know, um, focusing on the um, gun legislation. And I love that you talked about how important it is uh, to focus on these and to look at these little cases, because that is always how uh, the big cases um, uh, began to come about. I mean, look at um, Shelby versus, um, you know, whatever. But that was that was that started in a little, you know, county in Alabama that began, you know, to um, get that case. Well, and and, and you're, you're exactly right. And that's a good segue to my next point, which is going to be followed by my conclusion. Um, Clarence Thomas went from Heller, which his mentor Scalia wrote that not only he followed but he followed him to the country clubs in Arizona and and got and he got hooked up with all these all this dark money aspect through Scalia but Clarence Thomas rejected the intermediate scrutiny that Scalia applied in in Heller um, and it wasn't there was a two-part test in, by, involving intermediate scrutiny used by the lower courts at the time of Heller that they argued instead of a more stringent test on, on the on um, firearm regulation, they argued whether there was a yeah, whether there's a they weighed the public safety value a little bit more. And, and, and just to make sure that we're all on the same page, the Supreme Court uses these scrutiny levels um, to decide cases involving different kinds of rights. Um, the intermediate scrutiny standard requires that the law be substantially related to an important government interest. There's three different levels of scrutiny. There's rational basis, there's intermediate scrutiny, and there's strict scrutiny. The lowest level is rational basis, and it requires the law to be rationally related to a legitimate government interest. These are usually economic and welfare, social welfare issues. Intermediate scrutiny is a higher level than rational basis, and it mandates the law be substantially related to an important government in interest, and is often applied in gender discrimination or commercial speech ca cases. Strict scrutiny, which is the highest scrutiny, is used for cases involving fundamental rights or suspect classifications and requires the law to be narrowly tailored to serve a compelling state interest. The strict scrutiny standards apply to mostly racial cases or, or, or liberty interest that, that uh, is about you as a person, not, not, a right to, to do what, not a right to carry a gun or defend yourself. You're not going to find strict scrutiny applied to that usually. But what Justice Thomas did was he changed that in Bruin and wrote that there should be a higher level of test and not necessarily strict scrutiny because he did, he did something funny. He didn't change the, the scrutiny level, but he added this thing called the historical tradition test. And he, interestingly enough, and I'm, I swear to God, about to close, Justice Kavanaugh can, uh, like, was like, no, nah, I don't agree with that. That's crazy. Kavanaugh didn't agree with Thomas. He wrote a concurring opinion. Now, nobody said that the Bruin case was decided wrong on the Supreme Court, just to get everybody straight. Everybody had their concurring opinions. But Kavanaugh on the conservative side, he said that states have still have to enforce licensing requirements and do and have background checks and, and public carry permits. Um, so he Kavanaugh in, on, on gun control is seen as the balancing act. And what does that mean? 
and there's a, obviously there's a there was a dissenting opinion by uh, the recently retired Justice Breyer um, that centered around gun violence and and more akin to what we believe uh, how gun control should be uh, uh, viewed as far as interpretation of, con- of the constitutional right. Um, he argued that the court's new framework inhibits the states uh, from their ability to regulate guns effectively. So how is this how is this all impacted? So you know it it just underscores the like I said before, I think that the court is at a trend is, is at a, a point that they cannot go any further without calling the Second Amendment an absolute right, it, it, which ex- like the, the the founding fathers did not mean for it to be in none of them. And this is going to be kind of an irony, not even in the um, the Federalist Papers, did they, in their arguments where you can look at what Thomas Jefferson and 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 you can you can look at the arguments that the founding fathers were making. They never thought the Second Amendment was for an individual's rights that is unassociated with protecting the government or uh, forming a militia to uh, raise up an army if the uh, Americas were to be attacked. It wasn't for attacking America. That's somebody was on TV. I saw a conservative lady on TV, Moms for Liberty. She was like, the Second Amendment is uh, to fight a tyrant, a government that is doing tyranny. I'm like. That's not why the, that's not what they were thinking when they talked about the Second Amendment arming citizens against the government that that like they, they fought a civil war because of that. Um, but what the um, what this underscores is the relationship between precedent and what's happening in the court and why I'm bringing this up, the dynamic relationship between precedent, the current interpretation of the Constitution and its practical implications on our lives and within the Supreme Court decisions. If you just look at Kavanaugh and you look at Thomas, you see that you, you see that dichotomy there. And that's not even at our level of how we view how the Constitution should work for us. So the impact of Bruin is significant and it leaves the interpretation of the historic tradition case to the courts. And as a new layer, as we look at legislation to specifically address gun control and are limited by the Supreme Court, but it also tells us how the Supreme Court is going to look at other cases like, guess what? Guess where else you heard history and tradition when it came to Supreme Court rulings overturning precedent? Anyone? Anyone? That's the actual question. Oh, Roe? Ro- the overturning of Roe. Dobbs, Dobbs. In Dobbs, you heard the same test. The reason why they invented the test, which is not based in precedent. There had never been a Supreme Court case that talked about we're looking at the history and tradition. What would happen in Supreme Court interpretation if we looked at the history and traditions of how the Supreme Court interpreted prior um, prior statutes, prior rulings? What would happen if the Brown versus Board of Education case applied the history and tradition case to um, Plessy versus Ferguson? What would happen? Well, Brown versus Board of Education would have been decided completely different. As a matter of fact, every case that has interpreted a liberty or civil right interest in America has never applied the history and traditions case, uh, excuse me, test. So the impact of just the Bruin case and what we're looking at with regard to the Supreme Court, it leaves this interpretation open as a new layer of complexity that we already knew was forming for years. And it also means that what it gives us it gives us a blueprint as to what we must do to counter it. Meaning, what is Mark talking about? Well, you know, in Bruin, excuse me, in Heller, it was a 6-3 decision. Look at the dissents of these cases and then write your legislation. 
Look at the dissents. Look at the concurrences um, in Bruin. And that's how you write your legislation. It's what Maryland did and why the NRA is not going to win. It's what Illinois did and why the Supreme Court had nowhere to go in the face of Bruin. These are the you can't we're not going to be able to win the big battle until we get that majority back. But we can win these little battles, these little legal fights within what they're saying, because the law is really on our side. No matter no matter what they do, they're always going to come to a point when we always get to the point that all people are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty. It actually says property, but I'm going to say the pursuit of happiness. Thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your time. Oh, man. I just love talking about the Second Amendment, (laughs) y'all. I know you do. Well, you love talking about the law. I love your passion, and I love um, the um, information and the connection that you always bring to it because we we need to keep in mind these things are always – they're connected. And, and dark money is connected with these efforts. And I love how you, uh, again, like you talked about, we have to um, look at it from those little cases at those state levels and um, get smarter. Um, that's how we have always um, gotten our rights. Um, and we're going to have to continue to do that. So, Mark, thank you again. I hope you can hang out with us um, for a while today and uh, certainly he is always open to questions if you guys have any for him uh, I know he's open to that and we're going to pick back up um, with our um, hands can I just ask I do I have a question um, okay. it, was a, it was a smaller story and it was probably about two weeks ago uh, where the federal employees were um, uh, going to bring a case or a suit against um the Biden administration in regards to um, how the debt ceiling would be handled in the 14th Amendment, I believe it is. Can you talk a little bit about that, Mark? Well, the 14th Amendment, Section 4, and and let's be, we have to be honest and clear right here. Okay. The Constitution says that the Congress handles the purse and basically makes, makes allotments for the debt. But we have this, we have this section four that the U.S. debt. I'm summarize it. It shall not be questioned. It means it needs to be paid. Like I mean, it basically says U.S. debt shall be paid. It's not a, it's not an option. It has to be paid. However, in section one, Congress has sole, the sole power to do that. So there is a legal question, and and. In fairness to the Biden administration, with the document that was written in the late 17th, the late 1700s, um, it doesn't explicitly give him the power to do anything with the 14th Amendment. I know people are yelling 14th Amendment, but there's a lot of inconsistency and disagreement about what the 14th Amendment means, even from the best of our constitutional experts that want it to be invoked. It's hard to find a, a way for the president to invoke it. I'm at a loss, and I know there's debate that's going on in his with his legal team at how to do it, because the, Congress is supposed to pass the debt ceiling and pay the debts that they've incurred by the bills that they've they've enacted. That is what the Constitution says. Um, so, 
um, I, I don't I don't even know. I you know, federal employees might have standing, but what law are they going to invoke to to in, make the president or what body enforce the 14th Amendment? Because the enforcement of the 14th Amendment is still ambiguous when it comes to the law and has never been adjudicated up to the Supreme Court. And would that uh, cause a delay in extending the debt ceiling and therefore possibly send us into default too because it would go to the, to the courts? That is another problem with it because we're, what, three weeks away and as we know, um, even an emergency relief uh, um, acceptance of the case by the court would take over a week. Um, and who knows whether it, and who knows where they're going, how they're going to interpret this. I, you know, I would think that they would interpret it in favor of the U.S. not defaulting on its debt because it, it can't, according to the Constitution. But even the Supreme Court would be like, hey, even I mean, Clarence Thomas might be like, I want to do this, but it doesn't give us a way how. They, I mean, they they can they can tell Congress what you did was wrong. But the Justice Department can't tell the Congress what to do. Article three yeah. can't tell Article one what to do. They can say mm -hmm. what you did. This is not comport with the Constitution. The president can say, I'm not going to sign what you did. But the president can't tell Congress what to do, because in that case, guess what would have happened a long time ago? Either mm -hmm. way. So we don't even, <laughs> we don't even want that, y'all. Exactly. Exactly. So great question, Gwen. Um, and uh, thank you, Mark, um, for shedding a little light on that. I have been watching a few of those scholars um, kind of go um, back and forth um, debating that. Um, so thank you for giving us your take on it um, as well. So with that, we'll go to Joseph, Gambit, and then Kim. And again, thank you guys for being here. If there's anyone else who would like to come up and uh, join us in the conversation, if you have some news um, updates uh, from your area or that you're just um, you know, concerned about and you want to make us aware of, please don't hesitate. Come on up and join us. Um, so Joseph, uh, thank you for your patience, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Hello, Ms. D. How are you? I am great, other than these allergies still trying yeah. to <laughs> clear. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I had used to suffer from allergies myself, so I, I, I totally understand. And hello, soul sister. How are you? I'm doing no thanks so much, Joseph. I hope you're well as well. Thank you. So let's see. Uh, a couple things I want to uh, talk about, and I'll just I'll try to be as as brief as I can. One is something that has kind of come up in a couple of other spaces that I was in last week, and I think we really need to talk about it because it affects a lot of us. I think that are in this room right now, and to me, it feels like I don't know exactly who is behind it. Obviously, it's probably some Republican operatives. But I feel like right now, because of the immigration issue, I feel like there is a coordinated effort to drive a wedge between brown and black people. And I'm seeing it on the timeline, and it's very concerning to me. Um, I feel like there are ops that are and chaos agents that are out there that are trying to spread misinformation to divide us because they know if we are united, then they don't stand a chance. And I, I think, you know, this right now, 
more than anything, we need to lift each other up because a lot of us, you know, we stand, a, you know, to lose a lot. You know, they're coming after all of our rights in some form or another. So right now we can't be fighting amongst ourselves. We have to lift each other up because ultimately they're coming for, for all of us. So, um, you know, I know there's been some of my fellow Latinos here on the on the timeline. We've had kind of discussions, you know, amongst ourselves about how to, you know, uh, uh you know, combat the 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 racism racism that exists among um, our community, and you know how to fight back uh, against it, and um, also how to target that misinformation. There's been some discussions on the timeline within the last a week or so about how to uh, combat misinformation. So that's one one thing there that I wanted to to get out because, like I said, I'm seeing it more and more, and it's it's really concerning me. Um, the, uh, the debt ceiling issue is really concerning to me. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna admit like Saturday, I kind of had, I kind of had a panic attack thinking about it and seeing like different tweets and all that, because if the economy crashes, I can, you know, probably stand to lose a lot as I'm sure a lot of us in this room do, um, in some ways, I never fully recovered from the crash of 2008, and uh, I just I don't know if I can handle another another you know a, a major a major crash. Um, if I was still young, I think okay maybe I'd have enough time. But now I'm in my 40s, and I'm thinking okay, ideally I would like to retire in another between 20 to 25 years. And if the economy crashes, I think that will probably take down all of my hopes of eventually re-retiring. Um, you know, I just see McCarthy as just a pathetic clown who is just hell-bent on destroying the economy to earn, um, you know, to score points with his party. Never mind that his district, is you know is going to suffer big time if the economy crashes so um you know who knows what sort of deal he cut with the you know the the extreme extreme magas uh i've got a feeling uh what some of those deals were but i'm not going to uh i'm not going to say it but they probably were very very bad um deals and so it's um you know i i will be the first to admit that i have been one of these people that have been saying invoke the, you know for the president to invoke the 14th amendment because you know we see that the president is negotiating in good faith but mccarthy isn't and so it's like okay you know when you've got one party that is not negotiating in good faith it's it's almost like okay what's the point of negotiating at all um, so, uh, that's how I see it. And, and perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps I'm, you know, coming a little bit from more of an emotional point of view on this, um, you know, just because I'm, I'm so worried about the potential economic uh, repercussions, uh, you know, from this. So that's one, so that's one thing there. Um, 
another thing that I let's see. Well, I was in Arizona for most of last week, although it was a very, very quick trip. So I didn't get too much of a chance to gauge what's on the ground politically. Uh, I was in uh, Tucson, which is a generally is uh, a pretty blue, uh, blue area. Um, so I wasn't quite able to gauge sentiment on uh, the upcoming Senate race. But I will say there are a lot of people in Arizona who are just absolutely exhausted with Carrie Lake's antics. I mean, there is still one. Uh, she's got another one of her frivolous lawsuits that's tied up in court in Maricopa County, which uh, is where uh, Phoenix is. And I mean, she's going to get slapped down again because the judge set the bar enormously high for her to establish any proof of of wrongdoing. But she's just exhausted so many Arizonans and she's literally costing them money. I saw a tweet the other day that said her frivolous lawsuits have cost Arizona taxpayers roughly one hundred forty thousand dollars. And I tell you, if I lived in Arizona and I was a taxpayer, I would be absolutely livid absolutely livid at what that grifter has done to Arizona even though she's not the governor she continues to harm Arizona and that makes me very angry and it makes me very sad because Arizona Arizona has become a very important place to me in the last couple of years because I go so often for my work and uh, to see what what she is doing to that state is uh, is infuriating um, and the last thing I'll just bring up some local local news here at home. Not too much here going on here in Southern California, although uh, some of you who who follow me know that I'm really uh, holding young Kim's uh, feet to the fire because she just I mean, she's a huge liar and a gaslighter. Um, she had the nerve yesterday to tweet something about supporting your veterans when she just recently voted to cut their benefits by 22%. I mean, she will literally, you know, lie to somebody's face and then, you know, and just do another. I mean, the woman is absolutely shameless and she is, she will say or do anything to get in good favor with Kevin McCarthy. I mean, she's a total, she's the, she is the, you know, typical apple polisher. I know that's kind of an old phrase, but you know, she wants to be like teacher's pet. Um, so uh, so I am going to continue to hold her feet to the fire. There supposedly has emerged a Democratic candidate in that in that district to run against her, although they're not saying very much right now. So I'll keep an eye on that very closely. So with that, I will uh, land my plane. I'll sit back. I uh, can uh, listen for a little while longer. I'm going to have to jump off in about 45 minutes because I'm expecting a, an important phone call. But uh, thank you, Ms. D. Uh, thank you, Soul Sister. Uh, I really just enjoy this space so much and listening to what everybody has to say. So thank you all. Well, thank you, Joseph. And uh, we really enjoy when you come and share with us as well. You always bring great information. And um, I uh, connected with many of the things that you said and can certainly relate to you having that emotional um, reaction to some of the um, things that are going on. I think many of us um, can uh, relate to that, certainly as a um a senior citizen uh, who relies on social security and a veteran 
who relies on my uh, veteran benefits, I too have an emotional reaction um, to this. And um, again, you talking about Young Kim kind of um, riding the side of uh, Kevin McCarthy and um, talking out of both sides of her mouth, uh, as we used to say, um, saying what is uh, necessary in one arena and, and doing something totally opposite when it really counts. And this is just the MO and the pattern of um, the uh, GOP. And this is also in part because they are being funded by so many organizations with so many particular causes. Um, and they, this money eventually um, rolls down to these candidates um, and to lobbyists who support them. And, you know, I've got Marsha Blackburn here who sits on the veterans um board who, you know, touts um, all of these things that she wants to do for veterans and the same, you know, she is willing to cut our, our benefits and um, there's no end to the list of things that she has done, you know, to hurt and harm veterans while, you know, in her speeches, you know, she's all about uh, supporting veterans. So I, I get what you're saying and, and the emotional um, feelings that um, arise from it and just our, our ability to um, take care of ourselves. I mean, these are our basic things, being able to provide for ourselves financially. And it's uh, really galling that one party is willing to risk that for everyone in the country to score political points. So um, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And up next, we've got Gambit, then um, Kim, and then Carrie. Good morning. It's actually nice. Morning. To, <laughs> it's nice to visit your space in the morning. I have today off somehow. Um, I'm so glad. <laughs> I do want to warn you if I cut out, it's either because I need to blow my nose or I'm hitting a sneezing fit. I'm dealing with allergies too. So, <laughs> um, but I wanted to bring up two things. One is dark money related. The other one probably is, but I don't know. Um, the first is, of course, that uh, the ICWA decision is going to come up here uh, most likely next month. Um, a lot of the people on the Brackeen side, which is the people filing suit um, against the, the Secretary of the Interior, it was before it was uh, Holland was in office, but um, it is now called Brackeen versus Holland. And um, a lot of that is uh, a lot of that on the Brackeen side is uh, funded actually by oil and gas. Um, those are their represent their their council is oil and gas uh, lawyers. Um, so that's a big deal, and that's particularly particular to Indigenous peoples um, because of the way that property rights often are set for um, Native Americans. Um, we uh, native people don't necessarily have a lot of control over that. That a, a lot of tribal um, laws set by 
Congress um, and the courts. Um, so property uh, property ownership um, is not necessarily inherited or intergenerational um, in many places. So it being uh, with council being oil and gas lawyers, it's largely um, wanting to return to basically taking kids away, breaking those generational ties so that they can acquire that land because of the way the property rights work. Um, this also has further implications in regards to family law more broadly, but um, I don't have the expertise on that to really speak to it too much. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is um, the way that conservative um, media, conservative people, not necessarily mainstream media, but enough that it's showing up on my Apple News feed, um, are working against, um, in particular, in particular, the Postal Service. Um, there is a major case before the Supreme Court um, called Groff um, that is seeking to impose um, exceptions um, or allow people to um, request religious exemptions uh, for working on given days of the week. Now, this is important to me because I've, used, I've worked for the Postal Service before. It's one of the many hats that I've worn over my life. Um, so that's why I kind of follow the, the USPS topic. Um, there's a lot of things going on, like uh, I brought up in Carla's space, I think it was last week, um, you know, there's a lot of anti-union rhetoric. They're per specific to the Postal Service. Um, you know, uh, alongside our uh, the conservative movement to try to privatize the Postal Service and tied in with anti-immigration rhetoric, um, there was somebody in West Virginia that was found guilty of destroying immigration papers at a, distribu at a distribution plant um, or trying to destroy them. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of a big deal. Those are the kinds of implications and um, consequences if they manage to privatize because that's going to, that's the kind of thing that they're allowing or they want to allow, that they want to happen. And then beyond that, um, you know, we look at uh, the um, the justification or the reasoning for wanting to ban abortion pills, which they're using under the Comstock Act. Now we look at Florida with the book bads, and that kind of thing is a very important segue into, you know, um, what they can ban going through the mail. Because if they're, they're banning it under the guise of obscenity, using the Comstock Act as a justification, we'll, tell, we'll say that, you know, we can ban these books even being sent through the mail because they would go under the Comstock Comstock Act as obscene materials. So um, I don't know that a lot of people are really uh, overly familiar with how the Postal Service works and all that, and I don't blame you if you're not, because it's both simpler and way more complex than it seems. Um, 
you know, but that's that's just one of the many things that's going on recently uh, that I'm keeping my eye on. And um, I need to write my senators, my representative about that again, um, even though I've done it in the past, um, just to, you know, say that this is a concern that I have as a constituent and what's going on nationally. Um, so I just wanted to bring those up as important points um, for things going on right now. Thank you so much, Gamut. And I do appreciate uh, that you took a little time out of your day to come in and share those things with us. And it is very, very um, important. And um, I'm um, glad that you recognize and, and shared with us how this um, ties in, um, these efforts tie in uh, to dark money. And um, you always uh, bring up legal cases and the effects that it, it is going to have on your region there. And I just um, posted, I'm going to put it up in the Jumbotron, but this um, organization that I want you guys to become familiar with, uh, State Policy Network, um, they're kind of like a state level ALEC. And you guys have heard me talk about ALEC, which is the uh, American legal exchange or whatever. It's a bill mill. It's, you know, where they churn out these bills and then they try them out in different uh, states. Well, this this organization is actually has chapters in every state and they focus on creating it at the state level. ALEC is more uh, like federal, um, them and the, the Heritage Foundation. So thank you uh, again, Gambit, for, you know, bringing, you know, those cases specific to the region and the area that you're in and, and how they are connected. We need to keep telling these stories so that um, people get it. And I feel like when we know how they work, um, then it helps us to form better um, uh, strategies uh, to um, to work around them, to overcome them, and hopefully at some point to just uh, cause them to disband or to not be effective. But but it's a very very strong network that has been going on, and and there are multiple. It's not just one, um, and they have been building these networks for um, half a century. So we have much work to do, and 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 really, uh, I feel like the best counter for us is to build our own network—a network of uh, information and, and civic engagement and and understanding. So uh, thanks again, Gambit. Up next, we've got Kim, and then Carrie. And again, I want to thank you guys for being here, um, and uh, invite you up to share in the conversation. We are getting uh, to our first hour, so uh, we will be uh, wrapping up in this uh, next hour. So if you want to share, you have something um, that you um, want to uh, bring to the conversation, please come on up. Now's the time. And I am uh, so glad that you're all here today. <laughs> Hi there, Adi, how you doing? Um, so I just want to remind you that right now the Congress House only has a five-seat advantage, so there are going to be at least five Republicans who may not want to destroy the entire economy, and so you can always call your lawmaker. Um, I picked the number up there. There's a switchboard. You just you know you choose what state you're from, uh, what what district you're from, and it'll it'll lead you to your House member. Um, I even have 
under these MFers, these damn MFers, that is the in my phone is the name, this number for the switchboard, for, uh, the uh, Capitol switchboard, because under Trump I was calling him so much, and every time I called him, I go, let me call these damn MFers, <laughs> but I actually have the real word. My mom calls her her lawmaker Don, Mike Turner so much that they know her voice in their her office because she always starts off with, "You tell that Mike Turner." And then she goes on her little spree about what she's complaining about. But we can, there's at least five who can flip. Um, you know, they're not all MAGA. Some of them are. Uh, but there are some who aren't. And if you can't reach them, find out who their donors are and call their donors and those companies specifically. And say them are, ask them, why are you supporting people who are willing to destroy the United States economy? This game of, you know, I call it domestic fiscal terrorism on, on behalf of Republicans where they play this game. I mean, Nancy Pelosi didn't put stipulations on raising debt ceilings. Never did. It was debt we accrued. We, you know, we now have to pay that bill. And, you know, she never said, oh, we must do this. You must give me this. You know, the Republicans do this because they're too cowardly to write actual bills to say, hey, we want to cut Medicaid and Medicare and, and Social Security. And, hey, we want to cut 12% or 22% of the budget from every single department. They're too much of a coward to do that. They want to have Republic Democrats have to own some of that. And, you know, Biden's not going to play that right now. But this is domestic fiscal terrorism, what they do every single time. And it picks people like me, my mother, people who live on fixed incomes, who rely on government subsidies, at a, you know, and terror for and panic for a month, a month or not longer, every few years when this game keeps happening. Newt Gingrich did it. Boehner did it. So it's not just a McCarthy thing. But right now, McCarthy only has a slim margin. And so we can, if you can call your uh, either, not even just your house, it could be just your state, Republicans in your state. And you can remind them, hey, most of these states, most of these red states, every single one of these red states and many of these red districts take more from the federal government than they give. So unless they're going to start giving back that money and stop rejecting that free money, usually come from blue states or blue districts, then they need to, you know, stop being, you know, terrorists, basically, and <clears throat> especially against the most vulnerable people and do the right thing. Again, it's only going to take five at this point. Boehner had a bigger advantage. Gingrich had a bigger advantage and they still came around. But we we have the power within ourselves to call them. And if not call them, call their donors. Speaking of donors, um, you were speaking about the Moms of Liberty and the, the money behind the money. You know, we now know that they are AstroTurf. I put a, uh, a thing up in the a Jumbotron. But not just that. You're right. And well, mine was from Florida. So there's groups in every state for this organization. Uh, but the Moms of the Liberty has, um, I think they have uh, 36 chapters, 35 or 36 chapters in every um, state. Uh, they're right up there with uh, um, Americans for Prosperity, who has um, that many chapters. And the scary part about Americans for Prosperity has been around for a long time. However, the Moms of Liberty has only been around for two years. And this is what they've done because they have been supported and funded by dark money. So, And, and dark money. And even in the case of Florida, which is where that article I got from came from, uh, they're they're and they're ran by in part by the former campaign manager for Rick Scott. Um, they hire a lot of people to be the heads of their movement who are in marketing and PR backgrounds. Now, whoever they stuck on CNN didn't have uh, a lot of media training. But. And, and, and the big 
umbrella organization behind them keep the is cnp council yeah. for Nance, uh, national uh, policy and it, it trickles down and we're going to keep pulling at the threads so that we can make these um connections um so that people understand like these are not organic um concerned no, uh, grassroots yeah. organizations yeah. these are astro turf organizations funded uh, purposely for the ideology that they are pushing. Yeah. And they use what the same thing they're doing throughout the whole country. They're using the argument of we're protecting the children. We're protecting schools um, as a way to either, you know, in their case, tear apart public schools in general and defund them or in in other cases to erode people's rights. Even as adults, we even see now in, in Florida, that it wasn't enough just to, you know, not allow young people to get gender affirming care. Um, he now wants to have uh, DeSantis wants to have a a panel to decide, you know, a trans the panel to decide whether or not you're really trans or not, and whether or not you can go ahead with your, uh, you know, you, the necessary medical care that we know through studies does de- de- erode. Uh, depression and suicide levels within transgender people. So um, we, there are studies that show that, tra- that the gender affirming care do help, does help people in general. And, you know, so what he's, he's now taking that not to 18 year olds and under it's 19, 20 year olds too, because apparently they can't decide for themselves, but they can decide whether they, you know, he can decide for them whether they need to have children. Um, <laughs> so um, I also wanted to bring up uh, Fox news had hired two political operatives in Chicago to try to, talk trash and, and pit them in Naperville, no, no less, in a diner in Naperville. But they happened to be operatives, and it turned out they hired them. To, well, they were hired by the campaign of the losing candidate to sit there and speak trash to uh, about Chicago in Naperville and about you know Chicago's crime rates and whatnot. Um, so that's you know, another incident of Fox having, you know, they didn't issue a, a, an apology for that one. They had to issue an apology for the lie about the homeless uh, people being displaced for um, migrants and and, uh, and the uh, homeless shelter, uh, veterans getting displaced for in homeless shelters, that was a lie. But they haven't lied. They they intentionally set up a you know a a false narrative in Naperville about Chicago, and it turns out the two people they were interviewing were actual operatives from an opposing campaign of the person who's now the mayor. Is, and isn't that interesting that they're the ones who are always talking about Democrats having crises, um, actors and and funding these people again? This is is it's because that's what they do. So it's they confession. Think- every every deflection is a confession. Exactly. <laughs> and all that, last thing I want to bring up um is uh, Ice Cube is at it again. So Ice Cube is trying to play this false equivalency game. Ice Cube has a business deal in Saudi Arabia. He has a basketball league. I don't know when, who asked for it, but he uh, he gave it to him. And it's funded by the same Qataris and Saudis who've been funding Jared Kushner. Um, you know, he was he's basically being recruited like Kanye was by Bannon, by Flynn, by all these guys to be, you know, a black rapper, a washed up rapper who's going to try to sway black, black male voters to either not vote at all or to vote Republican. And, it's, you know, he has business dealings in Saudi Arabia. His company's it's start, it's struggling right now because he's mad at the NBA because it's basically washed up players, you know, because otherwise you'd be playing an NBA if you're really good. And he's mad because the ESPN doesn't want to take and doesn't want to show his league because you know it's not really that interesting it's like a pickup game with older players basically and and it's funded by the same qataris who helped fund 
uh, Kushner, when he, he has his business dealing, he had a real estate deal that he was underwater in when he entered the presidency as an advisor um, that somehow miraculously went away when the Qataris started throwing money his way and also Saudi started throwing money his way. His business partner got sued by people, not only the investors, because he, he was a Bannon buddy and he was spewing. I mean, their investors are, are Arabs and he kept, kept spewing this Islamic phobic BS, you know, and, and players were complaining about what he was saying about MAGA and this. And so he got sued. Um, it's just, a, 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 you know, it's his business dealing. It's, it's starting to fail. And now he's starting to get upset because, you know, he's being sent out there by Bannon. So whenever Ice Cube speaks, the same thing they did, they did with Kanye. They recruited him to, you know, if you remember the walk of shame, I called it when Trump was in his transition and the people had to walk through the lobby of, of, of Trump mm-hmm. Tower and kiss the ring. Kanye was one of those guys, right? And then Kushner recruited him eventually to run for president. Now, Kanye was not even in a mental state to actually run for president, but Kushner wanted him to be a you know, divide and conquer candidate, um, a chaos candidate. Kushner spent more time trying to get um, signatures for Kanye to get, to get on the ballot in certain states than he did doing the job he was supposed to do, which was test and trace for COVID at the time. So he was more concerned with getting Kanye in as a candidate to maybe disrupt the 2020 election, Kanye obviously wasn't even available to even do any campaign stops. So that was all a, a astroturf, speaking of which, by Kanye and Trump. And now, and then Kanye got in, you know, once he lay lost in 2020, Trump didn't really want much to have did much to do with him, but he did have new friends and Candace Owens and Nick Fuentes, which ended up destroying his career and his whole life, probably. And so, right. Ice Cube's pretty much going on the same path. I mean, you got to look at the money behind who these people are saying, I have a plan and, and the Repo- Democrats aren't doing anything about it and they don't hold Republicans accountable because the same Republicans are the ones who are funding their business deals. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and so we have to see what's behind the power behind the power when we call out these guys. Don't talk about their specifics because their specifics aren't don't mean, in, mean anything because they're not holding both parties to the same account. Ask them about their funding. It's all about the money. Where's the money coming from, and why is your why are you ups, why were you doing business with Kent, with Bannon and Flynn and 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 yeah. investors? Right. So thank you so much, and and you're absolutely right. All facts, 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 and and this is what I want people to to uh, understand, to see, and to call out, and um, to call out the media when they don't make those uh, revelations clear. So um, thank you so much, Kim. I appreciate you coming and sharing with us today. Um, and I'm going to go next to Carrie, and then Renee, uh, who has come up, and um, Mark. I mentioned the great space she had. I did put it up in the Jumbotron, so I'm looking forward to hearing from her. And as I said, we are getting into our last hour um, of the program, and I am um, sending out um, the invite for you guys to come on up. Join us in the conversation before it ends today, and please make sure you share uh, and retweet it for those who aren't able to make it. So, Carrie, how are you today? Whoops, I am very good, thank you. Um, I mean, for the most part, I mean, last week was hard, um, but, and I have anxiety about the debt ceiling, and I have yet to call Representative Flood and, ugh, anyhow, to talk to him about it. Please do, everybody. Um, and I just wish 
I wish Aunt Julie were here to say, oh, don't stress out so much because of such and such. But my feeling is that the Republicans just have no bottom and they're willing to sink the United States and global economy to be able to say, look, the economy's crap. We're in a recession. So, and it's all the Biden's administration fault. And so they are, think long term and know that the American people will vote in a Republican to save the economy because of, you know, no political awareness because it's complicated. And um, that stresses me out. But what also stresses me out is last week, the um, Republican majority uh, legislature in Nebraska passed together the gender affirming care ban for those under 19 years of age. And they add an amendment. They tried to pass a 12 week. No, they tried to pass a six week abortion ban that um, didn't pass because the um, it was seen as too extreme. So they added an amendment of a 12 week abortion ban with an emergency clause um, that says it um, goes into effect immediately after the governor's signature and Jim Pillen just signed it. So it's effective right now, 12 week abortion ban. And in Nebraska, as it is in North Carolina, I'm so sorry, LMZ, it just sucks. Ah! Excuse me. But um, uh, uh, it's uh, disheartening. And then I would like to know more. So I mean, they will definitely, it, the, the guise is that it's saving children, right? Because it's saving the unborn child and it's saving um, our, the very, 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 very few youths, like the extremely small percentage of youths um, who would have um, gender affirming care or definitely the surgery part uh, in Nebraska, Um Ugh, I've lost my train of thought, but uh, yeah, so they put it together saying that they're taking care of children, right? And that's what they get away with, and that's what the stupid um, media repeats, and it's just um, really horrible. But so we'll go to court, and what I want to know is then how does that run through the system? Um, will it go to the Supreme Court and and that's what they want again with this or it can't for whatever reason. I really don't know. I haven't researched it yet, but, um, and the other very big thing is that I think right now they're debating. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> Carrie. Can you guys hear me? I'm so sorry, D. That was me. I was trying to catch. <laughs> okay. I was trying to catch the the person that was requesting, and I it it, it hit. I hit the wrong thing. I'm sorry, Carrie. Please. That's continue. fine. So I think sorry. we're probably both doing it at the same time. Yeah, I think that's what happened. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Carrie. Well. Hmm. You just unmuted. Oh, you there we go. So, where did I leave? Where did you hear left? About I'm. So I was just talking about um, uh, how they both passed, and it's going to go through the courts. Did you hear that? The abortion ban. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just mm -hmm. wondering how if it might go up to the Supreme Court or not, or if it's won't, or I don't know. Who knows? I'll have to research that. But right now they're talking about the um, student uh, the vouchers and that's probably going to pass and it doesn't have the same energy against it i mean it does but not because it's take 
taken so much energy, the hate bills have taken so much energy and people's attention that now, you know, people have less attention on uh, the privatization of education that's happening right now. And it's just horrible. I mean, they're just so clever, these Republicans, and it's well-coordinated and well-organized. And we watched as they handed out the talking points from the people who are running the show. And anyway, it's very upsetting. Ah, So I can't wait to listen to Renee about her wonderful space. Thank you all. Bye. Well, thank you, Carrie. I um, appreciate you. And yes, it does get to be frustrating um, at times, but um, we have to remain hopeful. And we we do have um, um, a lot of wins that we can celebrate. And um, when we have those moments of despair, we just have to, you know, hug each other, hold each other up and just know that um, this too shall pass and uh, we can't afford to quit. We, we just can't. And so uh, when we can't, we know we can't quit. We have to understand what they're doing, how they're doing it. So we can find a strategy somehow. Uh, and I believe in us. Um, so thanks again for coming and sharing with us and chin up. We're, we're, we're going to uh, be fighting for a while. So um We'll have some uh, wins and some losses, and we're going to celebrate those wins. And with that, I am going to go to Renee, who had a very winning space yesterday. Looking forward to hearing from her today. And um, I see Tip is here. I don't know if she's able to talk, but I would love for her. She's done a great thread that I put in the Jumbotron um, on um, the... um, deficit and uh, judges and some other things. So I always love it when um, these uh, contributors here in our community are able to take time out of their day to share the work that they, you know, are always uh, focusing on. So I'm looking forward to hearing from um, Renee and and Tip has come up too as well. So thank you so much for being here today, guys. Thank you for hosting as always. Uh, And um, yeah, we had a great space yesterday. I came out to talk about some other things, but we had a great space yesterday. And thanks to everyone who was able to attend. And thank you, uh, Dee and Soul Sister, for for posting it up above. It was recorded, of course, so it'll be, you know, it'll be posted. Um, I'll probably have it pinned for for the month that it uh, it remains active here on Twitter. But, um, yeah, I've been wanting to host a space with young people for a long time. Um, and uh, we tried to do it last year, and it didn't work out. So I just figured, you know, I'll table it. Um, I also want to have a cross-generational um, space as well, but maybe we'll do that later this year or um, at the top. I think that's a great yeah. idea. I want to get some elders and some young people in the same room and and, um, and kind of just mediate a conversation between them. And I'm trying to – spaces makes it a little difficult um, because I, I try to be real low-key – on my my panel when it comes to these spaces um you know i just kind of send them questions just so that they know what's what's going to happen and i always want them to feel comfortable just so that when they start talking you know they don't have to think about much you know we kind of handle the room and all that good stuff um but i do want to try to structure um you know more just kind of open flow of conversation more like roundtable discussion um you know versus uh back and forth which kind of happened a little bit yesterday as they got more comfortable um but i really kind of want like that's the style that i um i'm pushing for especially with with some of these talks it just people are very kind of like courteous and polite to each other so they're they're conscious of of stepping in but anyway um 
Yeah, but I've been wanting to do it for a while and, and mentioned it to Tiff a, a while back. And um, obviously there are young people on this app that we, you know, we amplify and that we kind of talk to sometimes in DMs and just wanted them to know that we have their back, but want to hear from them directly about, you know, their thoughts about the future. And so um, Kennedy and Randall, of course, are, are pretty active in, in media. Uh, Kennedy's really great because she, she speaks to her friends. You know, she's somebody who speaks to her networks. You know, she's that girl. And I feel like that's why she, I mean, I'm not saying that she's, <laughs> she's K-Hive, though we kind of claim her, I think, as baby K-Hive. Because I always feel like the folks within our community are, we're each one of, like, each one of us is that person within our network. Like, we're the person in our network that, you know, that talks to our family and friends and kind of keeps them informed for the most part about a lot of things. And so to, to me, she, she, she obviously represents that as well. And she does her own research and, you know, looks things up for herself. She takes a, a lot of initiatives. So I always want to continue to support her. And of course, Randall, because he is, you know, he's the HBCU guy and very passionate about that. And then the Martin brothers are just exceptional. Um, Joshua is, is young. He's 20. So I don't know what he's going to do. He's only going into his junior year of college, but um I think that he and Isaiah specifically will definitely have uh, careers in politics. It just kind of seems like that is the writing on the wall uh, for both of them or for at least one of them. And so to be able to to talk to them now and to know that, you know, let them know that we have their support and to hear directly from them what, you know, what's uh, troubling for them and where they see hope and how we can better connect um, is a good thing. And I'm really glad that, you know, they were thrilled to be there. And I got a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, DMs from folks who were really, really impressed with them. And um, Karen Russell was there, which was a surprise. <laughs> I'm so glad that she spoke and was able to speak directly to them. And if I do end up having a cross-generational talk, I'm, I'm going to reach out to her uh, just to see if she wants to be involved in that. Because we were DMing a bit and she seemed very, very um, interested in, you know, ways to connect to young people and, and pretty politically active herself. So, um, so it was a great space. It was a good day. Um, and the weekend is over, unfortunately. Um, I woke up today not really expecting too much. Um, News-wise, you know, it's Monday, but sometimes Monday gets a little crazy. But, yeah, Trump, I, I did send a little something to, to Mark about how Trump just keeps stepping in it. And I hope that Jack Smith will be ready to move forward soon um, because I would like... I'd like something from Jack, you know, either in June or July. And, and then finally, it looks like she is gearing up for August. So um, I want him to get two hits this summer. Uh, I'm going to take some time off, to, off Twitter, but I will be back. Sound like the heat is yeah. on because <laughs> the walls are closed. Yeah, I hope so. I really, I truly hope so. I think we need some more activity and I think that things need to heat up for him. Um, a lot of these trials, you know, they're not going to take place until next year anyway. So we might as well, you know, he had the rape defamation. He appealed that, of course, because he's an idiot. Um, and then we've got... Uh, Tisha's case coming up in October so it's gonna be busy for him anyway but I want to get the, the rest of these indictments kind of out of the way this summer um, just so that in the fall term it's more so kind of managing what's already there and then we can kind of pay attention a little bit to his trouble but really focus on gearing up for uh, the two you know 2024 campaign 
I don't want Trump to distract from that beginning in the fall. I mean, he will, but I don't want his indictments to distract from that because it's like the indictment seems like the circus, whereas the trials take on kind of a different tone. Um, And we have a lot that we need to focus on in 2024. It's going to be a really... It's going to be a really hard cycle, I feel. I think we can do it. I think there's a lot we think we can take back the House. I'm more concerned about the Senate, to be honest. But I do think we can take back the House. I have a couple of races that I'm focused on. And then in the Senate, we got good news um, this morning um, because Lisa Blunt Rochester, I think, is going to go for the seat in um, Delaware. And I am very, very, very excited about that uh, because I think <clears throat> that the field is mostly clear for her and she's fantastic if you guys do not know lisa blunt rochester you don't follow her she's got great energy and she has been in the game for a minute she's a real one so definitely follow her now because i think she is going to announce and yeah dems are going to come out they're going to support her and i think she's going to get that seat and if we get her i mean i still want barbara lee in the senate i just am very concerned about her funding but between her uh, also brooks and lbr we might have like two black women in the senate which after the last cycle you know i'm never gonna get over val demings so after the last cycle like this would this would really this would make up for it if we get one of them in there for sure i think it's gonna happen but if we can get two in there oh my god uh, that just would be so amazing and i would just urge people who want to harass Gavin Newsom about appointing appointing someone to die by seat to focus on these races because that is where we're going to get a black woman in the Senate for a full term. That's just my opinion. Um, and that's basically it. That's all I kind of wanted to share and, and just, um, you know, if things are we, we keep getting like little droplets of good news there's a lot of craziness that's still going on and a lot of hard times and DeSantis is still being crazy with everything that he's passing me like every day I feel like I hear about something wild that he did but he is like ruining the economy of Florida uh, single-handedly and he is uh he's he's in trouble because I think Disney has kind of filed um in addition to basically telling him that they weren't going to, you know, build anything new in Florida. Um, I think that they filed a case about their own First Amendment rights. It's like, yeah, that works both ways. Um, so Disney's like an OG, you know, Disney is like the original thug. So you're not going to outmuscle them. You're not going to outsmart them because they invented like, you know, some of, some of the, the, the legal kind of jargon, that people have been taking advantage of for, you know, centuries and stuff like Disney has perfected that. So DeSantis is so outmatched. Um, I don't want him to ruin the state of Florida, but I think he's going to have to come pretty close to doing that in order for some folks down there to wake up because uh, he's ruining education there as well. It's just it's just insane. And he is going so full speed. And then he's still about to announce that he's running for president. So we have him. We have Christy coming up. Um <clears throat> Tim Scott, disguised as Cookie Monster today, announced his run for uh, for president. It's just, it's the circus that I wanted, and all of these fools will be fighting each other, and it's going to be crazy, and then Trump will probably still in the nomination, and he's going to get arrested. Like, it's, 
we might have a good time, you guys. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> that's all I really wanted to say. I, I love your humorous spins on all of it because we do. Like, we can't stop some of it. We may as well enjoy it, uh, recognize what's going on. And as you said, get some of this stuff out of the way um, so that we can center ourselves and be focused. Um on the elections and the things that we need to, because uh, the media is going to chase the shiny objects and they are going to create, you know, like all types of outrage and distractions for them to chase. And I just don't want us to fall into that pattern of chasing those things. Like we, we are our own um, media and, um, we need to continue to to do that and get better. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed yesterday, uh, someone asked them where they got their um, information, their sources of news. And um, the fact that most of them, they they had different uh, places, but the, the common thread were people like, you and Tiff and Shantae and Kenny and uh, people in our community who they have grown to trust and um, it, it matters. And just as you said, Renee, that you know that many of the people in our group, in our community who are active here on Twitter, there are also the people in their families who are having conversation with family members and of being that reliable resource for people. So again, it makes the work that we do here, albeit sometimes it is frustrating, um, very important because um, even people who don't speak in spaces oftentimes are gaining knowledge and information that they can use in conversations that they are having offline with other people. And this is how we have to get our message through to everyone, not just to the people that we know are already active. The, you know, the point is to get this, to disseminate the information to the masses, to the people who are not politically engaged and involved, but we need them well-informed. So I thank you and Tiff, Shantae, um, and others who are continually out there doing work uh, to, to help improve that. So thanks again for being here and sharing today. And up next, we've got Tiff. Hey, guys. Happy Monday. <laughs> Me too. Oh my gosh. My sinuses are on fire right now. I just took medicine. My sinuses are not happy. Yes, I woke up. I felt like a blind woman. I was like, oh my god, my eyes are bothering me. I have my glasses on. Like it's it's one of those days. So um sucks getting old and being in being around a bunch of trees because Maryland has a ton of trees and we have a horrible pollen. Um, let's see. I don't even know where to start, but yeah, thank you guys for talking about the the space yesterday. I was really excited to do that. Love the youngins. They bring me a lot of hope and a lot of joy talking to them. And so, yeah, like Renee said, we've been wanting to do that for a while. And so we finally made it happen. Um, and hopefully that'll be the first of many to come because um, it's always good to have that kind of conversation and just to listen. I mean, some people, I know that's hard for some folks, <laughs> let's be honest. They, we like to hear ourselves talk, 
rather than listening to what people say. And so it was nice. But it's important to hear other yeah, voices. Of course. And and nice to nice to, to hear, you know, that the listen, those kids are great. They're like they're super they're super respectful. They come to our spaces. They never try to like act up or try to over talk us or anything like that. And they they respect the they respect us and we respect them. So I think that's that's the goal to have mutual respect for one another so that we can hear and we can listen. And Renee kind of Renee and I are kind of like in the middle of the ages. Um, we're not old and we're not young either. So we're kind of in the middle. So we, you know, we have we have a, we have kind of like a generational. We're like in the middle of generation. So we we um, a bridge. Yeah, the bridge. That's a good way to put it. A bridge um, to be able to have open dialogue and and be able to understand their perspective. And you know, like my daughter's twenty three, so I can understand and relate to some of the things that they're saying and how, like I said, how they consume their media. And I was laughing when Gwen was talking and talking about her daughter um, with the silk press. I'm like, imagine if Kamala really did get a silk press every single day. I'm like, her poor hair will be fried. Um, but, you know, kids, they don't know anything this silly. You know, 18-year-old, they, I'm, sure, I'm sure she wraps that hair up every single night so it looks gorgeous in the morning and puts, you know, some good, expensive stuff in it. Um, but, yeah, no, that made me that made me laugh when I was when I was listening to Gwen talk about her daughter because, you know, kids are so silly. And it's like the little things. Like, my daughter was so happy when there was a meme about Moneybag Joe like she thought that was the greatest thing ever. So I mean, it's like you you never know what the kids will will right what how they connect right and the point is that they connect exactly. So that's good. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's kind of funny when you think about it. But um, let's see, dead ceiling talks. Oh my gosh, I'm so over this. Kevin, Kevin McCarthy, in my opinion, he's gonna cave. He's such a sucker. He's doing all of this for show, trying to flex his muscles and little that he has. And he's going to end up caving because he's just a punk and I'm just over him. So let him just let that the, sh- the show continue with the back and forth. And then he's going to meet up with Biden at 530 and he's going to come out the meeting and say, oh, everything went, you know, this way or that way. Biden's going to come out, and say it went one way and we're just going to continue to show. Listen, the deadline is next week. That's all you need to know. June 1st. Congress is not even in session. Well, the House is, but the Senate is not in session this week. So any bill that's going to be passed, which I really don't honestly think there's going to be anything but a clean um, increase because there's not enough time. Right. So, I mean, that they want 72 hours to review the bill. If there's like an actual bill bill that the people are going to be complaining, the progressives are going to be complaining about it, the 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 right is going to complain about it and so my opinion just pl- pass the damn clean seat um the, the clean debt ceiling increase go away for memorial day and then come back and fight another day like just bring the senate back sometime this week end of the week and and pass it or on tuesday like i'm over it already um, we're not this whole everyone screaming just use the 14th amendment I'm just like okay guys this is like the the last thing that Biden it, wants to do this it's like the student it really loan. is it, the it student has the same rate. it really is it's like just do it just do it it's like okay guys no this has never been used before in 
when it comes to this type of situation. So, yeah, I don't really want to put my put anything in the hands of, of the courts or, you know, somebody will sue and then we're going to go through this whole rigmarole and it's going to be a whole like this whole thing of just going back and forth and, and the media. Like, I don't feel like dealing there. There's the easiest way to do this is for Kevin McCarthy's annoying ass to agree to a debt ceiling increase they want to fight about the budget just fight about the damn budget and we will get to where we need to at some point but but the lane listen everyone on wall street thinks that they're going to come to an agreement right i mean this is this is my mom works on wall street she knows what people are saying they're not concerned about this you know twitter is concerned about this people should know the risk of what could happen but the people who manage our money are not freaking out about this because they 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 believe that Kevin is going to come come around what that looks like at the end. Who knows? But that's what they believe. Now, if we get to Thursday and there's no kind of deal, then they're going to start. The markets are going to start freaking out. People are going to start selling off their stock. And that's when we're going to have an issue. So it's just a wait and see at this point. There's no reason to like freak out about it. Um, it's, it's, it'll, it'll likely end, like I said, with Kevin caving, the, the Republicans are going to be mad at him. Um, the freedom caucus, who's a pain in the neck, that's the MAGA, the MAGA bunch that Marjorie Taylor greens and all them people in that Matt Gates and them, they're probably going to be pissed at him, but he does, it doesn't really matter if they're pissed at him because he, he would, he, the Democrats, moderate Democrats will vote with him anyway, if he's just going to pass, um, a clean bill. So he, he, they can only thing that they only thing that he has to worry about is that they might kick him out of speaker, but that's a whole different story. That's his problem. He, he made his bed and he has the lion in it. I don't care about that. You either save our economy or you lose your speakership. Um, I don't care if you lose your speakership. You you need to do what you need to do, which is not send our economy into a tailspin and 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 crash it. So I mean, I put all the risk yesterday. Obviously, Social Security would be impacted. Federal employees, um, people's four hundred one ks. The stock market will be impacted. There's a lot of things that will. Um, be jeopardized by him not doing it. You know, I people say, oh, well, he wants fascism and he wants this. Listen, Kevin don't want this. He doesn't want, people know what is happening. People are aware that Kevin is the one that's holding this. Mitch, you notice Mitch McConnell wants nothing to do with this. He's in his corner and he's like, okay, y'all figure this out and let me know. When it's exactly. <laughs> Mitch has not said a word. I mean, it's even even to the point where even Josh Hawley, of all people, was like, listen, if if the president wants to use the 14th Amendment, then he then I'm 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 fine with that. Like this is this is where we are. OK, the, and people are like, well, I'm look, I'm reading that like Josh Hawley actually said that. But no, he actually did say that because. People are sick of it already. Like, you don't want spend, you you don't want, the thing is, what Kevin wants to do is just absurd, right? He wants to cut spending on things that people actually need, like Meals on Wheels, on SNAP benefits, on... It <laughs> makes sense saying it. I mean, it's, it's a, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. He wants to cut, take the COVID funding. I mean, there's like so much that he wants to, but, and, and what he wants to increase, right? He wants to increase the military budget. Okay, whatever. There's no room to increase the military budget at this point. The military gets a ton of money. He wants to increase border security. Okay, to do what? 
to do what? His little his little plan of or the Republicans' little plan of Title Forty Two ending and chaos at the border didn't amount to anything, right? So it's like your your request for border security is not really going to do anything at this point unless you're going to get more judges so that we can help get people you know situated instead of waiting months and months and months to have to go before a judge. That's what y'all are complaining about. Then fine. But he's not, he's not, he's just not, he's, what he wants is just not realistic. And the, and Biden, the Biden administration has, you know, come around, they're not going to cut and they're not, they're not in agreement on cutting any, any programs. They're, they're, they're for freezes and things like that, but he doesn't want to move. So you don't want to move. You're going to, you're going to be the one that's going to be at fault for all of this. So politically, it's just, to me, it's just a game. It's just a show. It's all like theater at this point. And hopefully there is some kind of agreement that comes out before Thursday and everyone can go and have a great Memorial Day weekend and life will go on until the next time we have to fight about this, which they may just extend it for six months. And then we have to fight about this in the fall because, you know, Republicans love to do this nonsense. They they increased it how many times under Trump and didn't care under Bush, under Reagan, like the mm-hmm. and and the fact that they they want to cut all these things but the only thing they do not want to change those tax cuts of okay course. they don't of want to course, touch because those. they don't want to pay more taxes <laughs> hello they, they're the ones that are that are benefit from those taxes those tax cuts they don't want to they don't want to benefit but guess what the wealthy the wealthy is going to lose money in the stock market so yeah you might want to not piss them off like you really <laughs> exactly and they're going to lose some of their funding if they lose money you lose money kevin and they know and this they're not at gonna the get, end of the and day and they won't get paid so yeah, right. not yeah, a it's like a game of chicken he's it playing it is a game there. of chicken and it's, it's all i'm telling you this is all theater and it's very annoying it's so and Biden knows it too, right? Biden, I mean, he's a pro at this. He's been he's been in the Senate, been in been a pre, been a vice president, been the president. Like he knows he's gonna come out, he's gonna say, and people are gonna get mad. He's gonna say nice things. That's why he didn't waste time, you know, talking about negotiating with them before. Like, get your budget, Kevin. I'm not wasting time. That's exactly time with what you. he said. <laughs> the last time he was like, Kevin, you I told you on on 97 days ago. To get your budget together, you waited until April. I submitted mine March 9th. You came, you came with yours April 19th, and now you're complaining and saying all this crazy stuff. Like, what are you even talking about? So this is Biden. He knows what he's doing. I have full faith in him, um, his team, and the people that are negotiating. I hate the word negotiators, but it is what it is. They're just talking and trying to figure out what to do. But I, I, I'm just sitting back and just watching it. And just kind of like, oh, my God, this is so silly. But the media is eating it up because they have nothing better to do. They have nothing else to talk about. So this is like giving Jake Sherman something to do so he can be his stenographer and just just um, quote all his stupid antics and things that he's saying. It's quite hilarious on the timeline. Um, so every time I see a quote, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of go after him a little something and, and troll him because he's annoying. But yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Talk to you later. Thank you so very much, Tip. I appreciate that. Um, and, um, and I'm in total agreement. Um, this is just um, them wasting time and uh, creating antics that will get them um, 
you know, publicity and, and news stories and stuff. So thanks so much for bringing rationale <laughs> to the conversation uh, today. And again, kudos to you and Renee on that great space. I look forward to the next one and uh, just want to encourage you guys to keep doing the fantastic work that you're doing. And uh, up next, we've got Ngazi, and then um, I'm going to check with my co-host. She had to dip out for a moment, and we're going to be getting to our wrap-up stage. So again, um, if you want to um, share something with us today, um, come on up. Um, the clock is ticking. So, uh, Ngazi, so glad you came in today. How are you, my dear? Good afternoon. Um, I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Like I said, yeah, other than these you. allergies. <laughs> right. Thankfully, we're raining today down here, so no allergies to deal with today. Um, but thank you for allowing me into the space. I, it's been a, a long time since I've been able to make time to be in the space, so I'm glad I had the opportunity this afternoon. Um, so I just kind of want to piggyback off of what Tiff was saying. Um, it is definitely theater, but I feel like the entire Republican project um, under this 118th Congress has been theater and the media continues to cover it as if these people are, are serious people. And it's very frustrating because it, it normalizes them. My mother, who does not pay attention to politics at all, this morning, first thing out of her mouth was, you know, the Republicans have been in um, power and they haven't passed a single bill. And that's an issue. Like, this is a lady who, if this economy crashes, we almost lost our house in the 2008 crash, and this lady is still paying the mortgage on this house. She's not going to survive another crash. And so it's like, these people are playing petty games. And I agree with Tiff. I don't think that they're going to crash the economy because there's no winners in that. There's just no way for everybody not to come out scorched if that happens on both sides of the aisle. But it's the anxiety that everyone's dealing with coming into that. It's the back and forth and it's the media laundering these Republican talking points to convince people that this party's not full of shit. Excuse my language in the middle of the afternoon. But it's like Josh Hawley's statement of he should use the 14th Amendment, but I'm not gonna tell you what to do because it's not my decision. They're testing talking points to use for the election cycle to they're trying to find a way to have Democrats bail them out and then blame Democrats for what's happening. And the media will just unblindly run the story. The constant question of why won't the Democrats save them? As if Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are not the ones in charge of the segment of Congress who holds. And again, I know he said he produced the budget, but I, what is in the budget? What does his budget even say? <laughs> and I don't mean to come into the space and air my grievances, but it has been very frustrating because I've been more selective with what media I'm taking in that I'm watching the media portray these people as legitimate. I watched the weaponization um, hearing last week and the whole thing was a farce, but it was aired on C-SPAN because that's what it, that's their job. And it was, they were given a press conference with real reporters where nonsense, like two of them are being paid by a Republican operative. If that's, that's if that's normal. There's just no level of like critical thinking being applied by the people who are supposed to inform us on what's going on. They're supposed to be the people who let us know what's important to pay attention to, what's just noise, 
what's nonsense and BS. Fox News ran an entire false story for like 36 hours that was come out to be a hoax. You lie, well, they lie to their people all the time, but like that was a full on verifiable lie that was ran that people are still going to believe no matter what. Because it was pushed by what was considered a reputable organization. And it's like, I can't make good decisions as a voting person. Even though I pay attention to politics and I try to apply my own critical thinking skills when I'm being lied to. So what hope do people have when they're not being engaged in this? We're not the normal people, you know, because we're so focused on um, politics, like regular folks like my mom who just catches news as it comes up on her Apple news feed or my siblings who just catch what's coming. How are they supposed to make good decisions heading into a new election cycle, primary voting, stuff and even in our state? where we have a media that's not telling folks the truth. Like, it just bothers my spirit. And then, like, listening as everyone's expressing their concerns and frustrations of what's going to happen. We shouldn't be living like this. But I will land my plane because I don't want to take away from Tiff encouraging <laughs> us that this ain't going to end this way and that we're not going to end up with a crash. But and I'm, I'm just very concerned as we're heading into the, the next election cycle that the media just hasn't learned anything from 2016. Yes. And, and I, I get it. I understand. Um, like we can all have these uh, moments of anxiety and in part, this is what they, they are trying to do. Um, it's designed to do. So we just have to stay grounded in, in the facts that we have and, and the things that, you know, are possible for us to do. And, um, so I thank you again for taking a little time out today to come in. I'm glad you had the opportunity and uh, we're going to get um, back to a, a Friday uh, space again soon. Um, uh, life is happening. But um, as uh, Tip and Renee uh, showed us, they, they had a space that they had kind of worked on and planned for a year. And um, they uh, were flexible and finally brought it to fruition. So we're going to do the same. Um, and with that being said, I have um, Shantae who has come up. I'm so glad to have her here today. And um, Nir and um, Geechee. And uh, Renee is going to close us out today. And my co-host is uh, taking care of um, a few things. And hopefully she'll be back before we close out as well. So, so glad to have you here, Shantae. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just sitting at home, working on this laptop, had a call. During what Tiffany was saying, I had to turn down the damn volume. She's like, what the hell? But anyhow, so um, the Soul Sisters, good to be here in the space. Um, you know, I feel like I haven't been in spaces like forever. Like I've been like tuning in. Like I talked yesterday, but it was not as much because school and work has been part of the life and other unexpected, um, you know, things been happening for the last month on top of my birthday. So like, yeah. So anyhow, um, this whole debt ceiling thing as a business student in graduate school who work in the nonprofit sector, who actually job is affected of what these people do in Congress um, is always my damn sector. The Republicans are not going to crash. If they crash this economy, because most of these constituents actually get to be quite frank, they get these benefits. Most of their constituents are on fixed incomes. And so if they even try to crash the economy, 
you know, even though they're not great at the economy, let's let's be real. Just because they their messaging is pretty um attractive to those folks who are, you know, or we could say low information voters. And 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 I'm talking about hey, I ain't talking about black people. I'm talking about those in in their district, the majority people in their district that keep voting for them, you know, um, you know, gets on their message. But to be quite frank, they're not great at governing no matter how decent a republican governor is they're always going to consider themselves to be fiscal hawks especially most of them are in the reagan camp which they graduated from the reagan camp now to being a trump republican or just a far extremist and so there you have it and if kevin really wants to play those games i'm constituents that do get snap benefits and and you know social security and all those other the benefits are going to come at his office, not just not just in D.C. and not call him, but they're going to come up to him in California, maybe accost him at his house or somewhere because it's no way in hell. This is unconscionable. And to tell you the truth, before even this budget talk, he already has lost his speakership from all the asinine bills that he had continuously put out. Parent rights bills, like who the hell is thinking to censor children's education besides these knuckleheads in D.C. and these rural areas that don't make no goddamn sense. Like, who is really that far behind? You know, George Bush's No Child Left Behind applied to some adults as well. It was applicable for them. And it was applicable to half of those knucklehead GOP members, some that look my age and they look like they had a hard life and they look like they're about 50-something, you know, just passing these asinine bills with all this stupid messaging make no damn sense. It's just completely just stupid. It's 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 dumb. It's 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 pretty dumb. And so when now that he's been told he was put on notice back in the State of the Union address when the president already laid out everything that the administration done so far and all the stuff they're going to do. And he literally said, I am social security and Medicare is off the table. So if you're trying to cut it, I'm going to veto it. And he literally stated that. And he stayed on message and the vice president with them. Cause they are a package deal. Let's keep it real for those. Some folks, I know there's the most of us are Kamala Harris supporters, but there are some folks that are Biden supporters that don't support the vice president. They are a package deal. They've been tooting the same damn horn and been saying the same damn message about not cutting benefits for the American people and try to improve the life of the American people and try to sustain our democracy. And so when folks are trying to divide the two because the media try to divide the two, they're completely stupid because... One of my friends in here tried to say, like, not try to say, but told me what the media was trying to do. And I saw what the media was trying to do, because even Republicans try to recant on this this whole thing, stating that the vice president is not in line with the president. That's absolute BS, because they definitely are. And they took the same home just in a different style. But they are for the they are for each other's agenda. Well, mostly the president's agenda. And they're not cutting Social Security. The Democrats overall, no matter Joe Manchin and his dumb, dumb self, they don't want to cut Social Security. And they don't want to cut them because people, most Americans are on a fixed income. Most of Americans are not even on the 1%. Most of the Americans are filling these tax cuts. And these tax cuts are almost damn near worse as the Bush and Reagan tax cuts 
together. That voodoo politics, that's Donald Trump. He's literally the voodoo politics, you know, beyond Ronald Reagan. You know, let's 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 be real, you know. So he just made us more of an isolationist country. So that's why our production has been kind of fucked up. Excuse my French, has been jacked up pretty much. Cause this, you know, this whole tax cuts ruined us. It it taxed states with the highest income, like New York, California, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, and New Jersey. It taxes a lot. So what other states are getting from us, and there's no disrespect, that's because it's our tax money. And now we can't effing afford to pay for it because most of these states are now owning the federal government, which never in the Obama administration, I have owned the federal government. Now all of a sudden, in this, the, the, the previous administration, I'm owing the fucking federal government, excuse my French, like, uh-uh, no, not federal government, excuse me, my state government. That's just kind of crazy. That's that's nefarious to me. So, like, this is why, like, these tax cuts need to be cut. Because that's what's really costing the country. It's those tax cuts from 2017. It is costing the country, even the people at Moody's, the financial advisors at Moody's and all these other financial data companies saying, this is dumb. Like, this, this is not good. That tax cut was bad for the country the build back better agenda you heard from people from moody's and uh, i think it's another financial company don't know what the name of it is it's on the top of my head i used to know this stuff i majored in accounting and i yeah whatever s&p huh s&p standards and poor thank you Sta- standards and poor yeah s&p 500 thank you um basically said that the build back better agenda is actually better for the country and it actually will have the econ- American economy growing when the middle of when us middle people and us is working, that means the economy is better. When the economy is better, doing better for the one percent, that's where it, it trickles down. It's bad. It's like trickle down economics, right? Because you're, it, th- you, I'm so glad you said that because this is really j- that tax cut was just another you know uh, stab at their trickle down uh, economics, and and it's not working. But we didn't need another test to show that it's not working. But yeah, that's what they keep trying to to give to us. So so you're right. Yeah, it's it's really dumb. So when you hear people stating that, oh, these taxes is great. No, these tax cuts were, when he said he passed the biggest tax cut in history, you mean for the 1% because you damn sure didn't do it for the rest of the people. And I don't understand how people like O'Shea Jackson and the rest of these knuckleheads keep, you know, having this man in their face, his hot breath in, the, in, in, the, in their face when he's really hurting the people that support thumb knuckleheads that's why i'm just like you know what i i just can't well greed yes and it comes down to greed and and just personal profit um and well-being over that of the greater good of you know the community and certainly the country <laughs> well yeah miss d but like what tiff said kevin mccarthy ain't gonna do that because i mean he's already gonna lose his speakership but he don't want to be embarrassed even more even though he is still gonna be embarrassed because he's just stupid and his cock has never liked him to begin with and they never liked him because lawrence put receipts on him i think last week or two weeks ago when he said something about hillary clinton and believe it or not saying something about hillary clinton is just it kind of puts a nail in the coffin for you i mean look at the far left look they all evaporated they evaporated into like the pits of irrelevancy, which they will remain irrelevant. 
forever and ever and ever. So, D, it was great. Thank you very much. And I'm going to go back to just being quiet and being a listener. Well, thank you so much. Always love to have you uh, join us. Um, enjoy your energy and your passion uh, and bringing facts as you always do. So uh, it was a, a really a great treat to have you here because I know um, you don't often get to come on our um, Monday noontime spaces. So it's always a treat to have you. So thank you so much for being here and uh, taking a, a little time out of your day to to share with us. So I am um, overjoyed. And uh, with that, um, we've also got someone else who I always love to uh, have, but I know their schedule is such that um, they don't often get to make it. Um, but we've got Geechee. So uh, let's see the order. I got Nir and then Kim, if you, if you will. I'm trying to get these new speakers Um uh, Nier and Geechee and then um, Kim, Mark and Renee is going to close us out. Uh, and look at this. Everyone's coming. I got my buddy Adam coming. So, all right. So um, up next, Nier and um, then um, Geechee and uh, Kim. Uh, and um, we'll go from there. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dee. Thank you so much. You know how much Hi, I appreciate you and you're amazing. And I just want to say to the woman that just spoke, wow, wow, wow. The energy is amazing. Every word she said was to the point. I like, wow. I'm just, you know, I was laughing when she said the 50 years old and old. So I'm a 60 years old, but I'm a Democrat since I was born. I think I was born a Democrat. And I just want you guys to all know that, you know, uh, as an American citizen, as a Democrat, I have a little challenge um, because I see what's happening to the country that I'm staying. We used to be to have a democracy, just like in the United States. I'm in Israel to take care of my parents. And we lost our dem democracy about six months ago. And I'm scared about us in 2024. We don't need to look far. Israel, we all know the relationship that we had in Israel. Um, I'm a poor Palestinian man. I believe children all over the world, they are the same. We have all the same blood. But I'm telling you, just listening and being afraid and see how slowly, slowly people taking our human rights, our, you know, women... Yeah, we used to have 31 people in our government. We are down to nine. LGBT community, we are losing all our voices here. Um, the fanatic Orthodox Jews think they are better than all of us. They're controlling our life. Give you a perfect example. What's happened three days ago, they went to like just, a, just an emergency CVS or, you know, any department store and they took sticker and covered the woman faces and all the boxes, the faces of women. This is sick. And I'm telling you, we have an election coming up 2024 and we must, it's not even a choice. We must remember that the democracy it's really up to us what we are doing every single day today you do not want to be like where we are in israel it's up to every one of us to talk to the young generation like the beautiful woman that just spoke and we need her voice we need people like her so we we are not perfect we are far from being perfect we see the homeless on the street we see their health you know we have so many challenges but one thing make us different than republican 
we are people of love. We care. We don't see color. We don't see religion. We don't see gay or not gay. We just see people. And I think that we have don't we don't have a long time. We only have less than a year and a half for the election. And right now, it's the time for each of us to talk to the young generation, to the students in the universities. The, we need to take action and not just talk because we talked so much and we lost because we didn't do we didn't walk our talk. So please, please don't don't let America. I'm gonna be back soon. I mean, my dad is 92. Hopefully, he's gonna live forever and ever. But I know he doesn't. He's not going to. But I'm telling you, we need to to spread love, and we need to sometimes love. It's not always about I love you. Sometimes it's about wait a second. No, this is not right. We need to email our leaders and say, excuse me, wake up. We're in trouble. You know, what's happening in Texas to me and Florida, and I just read an article about in Florida that the, you know, state will be able to pull a transgender, you know, a transgender boy or a girl from their own family. This is 2023. Come on, guys. This is up to us. And I love you. And keep spreading love. But, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, to win, sometimes we need to be soldier of democracy. And this means that we need to stand for what we believe in and not just talk about it, take action about it. So thank you so much. And D, you know, I admire you and I see a lot of my friends here. But you know what? Love always wins. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nir. I appreciate it. And yes, and a great reminder that, yes, um, Israel's uh, democracy uh, took a dive when they re um when they elected Netanyahu and we don't want to be in that uh, situation, having um, a president with an indictment hanging over his head and itching to change the judicial system so that the indictment and the charges go away. You know, that will be uh, for sure the end of our democracy. So again, thank you for again, uh, bringing that uh, geopolitical perspective into the conversation of our democracy and um, because it's, it's all connected. So thanks again. And up next, we have Reverend Geechee here to uh, bring us some uh, Monday joy. And I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Um, and um, how are you today, my friend? I'm glad you, you were able to get up and join us today. I'm, I'm good. I've actually been up. Like, I got home last night at like 12.15 and went to sleep by like 12.35. Like, I was like out immediately. And unfortunately, when I go to sleep early, I wake up early. So I woke up at like 5.50 and I've been like up ever since. And I'm just like, today has been a really good day. Um, I don't know. if Has anyone seen any good news today? I don't know. I don't know if there's been any like really good news, like tepid news. Like did anybody? Uh, like... I can't say that I've saw, seen anything that is, uh, you know, extremely good or anything. Oh. You know, um, I don't know if anyone else can know, I, <laughs> report I, on I such. mean, there has been bad things, too. I mean, Tim Scott and, I mean, Mushmouth did, like, announce that he's running for president, whatever that is. But I saw that, like, Senator Carper is retiring, and he has endorsed this woman named um, Lisa Blunt Rochester. Has anybody ever heard of her? No, who's that? Oh, uh, yes, Renee came in and shared with us oh. today. About well, Geechee is now going to uh, now Geechee is going to 
he's gonna gloat about his prediction that he no, made years no, ago. No. I would rightfully are, should. are you mad she stole your glory? Uh, get, get you who's that? I wanna know. Uh, <laughs> well, Lisa Blunt Rochester is the congresswoman for the whole entire state of Delaware. She's a statewide elected official. She's an honorary member. I believe she just became an honorary member of this sorority called Alpha Kappa Alpha. And she is now like most likely going to run for Senate. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Don't you get on speaker unless you unless you can do it. I mean, she's now most likely running for the senator since Senator Carper asked her permission to endorse her, and she would not have given the permission unless she's going to run. And I assume Senator Coons is going to endorse her. And I'm pretty sure that since she's the primary co-chair of Biden's re-election campaign and the person that Biden first told he was going to put a woman on the ticket when he becomes the nominee, that I'm pretty sure that he may break tradition and endorse her as well. So I'm just thinking that all this like bitterness and anger and always oh, the end of the world because Kamala became VP will never get another black. It appears as if we're going to at least have one black woman in the Senate. But there's also this other state called Maryland that it was like ignored a lot in 2022 that uh, elected a black governor that a lot of people, I guess, didn't know that he was running for governor. But they also have a woman named Angela Ossobrook that's also most, right now the front runner to be the nominee in that race and also would become the Senate. So that would be two black women. So we went from one to two. I think that's an increase. I'm not exactly sure. My math is not good on Mondays. Then we, we'd have a senator in a slave state. South, um, we're not going to count him. In Georgia in Maryland and in Delaware and in four states that were slave states will have produced almost as many black senators as the whole rest of the country. So maybe we should pay more attention to what's happening in the South and in the Sun Belt, because it may be possible that if we actually trust black voters and Latino voters and Asian voters and college educated voters, since that region of the country has the most of them, maybe that we should invest there and maybe we can win. I'm not sure. I just it could be a rumor. It just could be a rumor. I don't know. But I'm so happy for to be in the company of all these people in here that have been so optimistic throughout all of this, so on board of what's happening in this country and all the positive things we can do with the Biden Harris thing. I do not care about any articles that are being written about anybody else that's running. No one else that matters is gonna run against Biden Harris. I don't care if the New York Times says it. The New York Post says it. The New York Daily News says it. Your mama from down the street or auntie from around the corner. It doesn't matter. They're going to be our ticket. Unless something happens to one of them, they're going to be our ticket. So, like, let's focus on them and the Senate candidates and and let's get it done. I mean, we have so much positive things happening to not have to be paranoid in 2023. We can lead those conspiracy theories back to who shot JR back in the 80s and who shot JFK back in the 60s. We can leave all those conspiracy theories back there. But, like, let's go forward with, like, positive thoughts, positive daily affirmations, and do this damn thing. And I actually want to commend um, um, Renee and Tiff for that space yesterday with the young people and also um, that uh, that TikTok that y'all do on on 
Wednesday, I think it is, is also really good too. Um, so I want to commend y'all for um, all of y'all are doing to share the message. Um, and that's it. I'm just, I'm very happy today. I'm going to South Carolina tomorrow. So I'll probably gain like 400 pounds. So that's it. <laughs> oh, thank you uh, for coming in and spreading joy, Geechee. And speaking of going home, you know, I was watching because I have been um, kind of pulling back from uh, the news a bit, uh, trying to fill my soul with some other good things. And I've been watching like cooking shows and stuff. And last night I watched an awesome one uh, featuring uh, the uh, Gullah um, region. Is it and, Taste of Yes, okay, yes, yes, yes. I, I know uh, a lot of the people that are in that episode. Did I was thinking about you and I wanted to ask you about that. That was a great episode. I know BJ so, Dennis. Uh, I know um the guy the black wow. Jewish guy that's in there. Um he follows me too. Um Okay. So and I know I I know Rodney Scott and them too, yeah. So yeah, that's what but when he was cooking, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about how sometimes on your timeline you share with us your meals and your prep and everything. And it was just such a, a just a, a great moment, you, you know, know you, and, and you came into my heart and my thoughts. You know, one thing I wish that I think that would be better, like I know, like we're all scattered out all over the place now. I just wish that like people that are like would know where they're from, not just like, oh, I'm from. Chicago or I'm from Detroit I'm from but like know where you're like, everyone is from someplace most people are from someplace in the south like I want y'all to like say like oh my parents are from South Carolina or oh my parents are from Texas not that oh I'm from Los Angeles no you're not from Los Angeles you're from somewhere else so like I wish that we had like an identity I think it would like make us closer but I have one other thing and I'm going to get off this line too did you see what happened in Colorado Springs uh, um, mayor, the mayor, yes, and they were talking about Jacksonville. Colorado Springs is like the most conservative city in a state. That I'll make sure I get it right. The most conservative city in a state that Biden won. Oh, conservative county in a state that Biden won. I think that's it. It's something like that. It's something like that. Yeah, it's like. I can't remember something similar to that because like there's a distinction between that and Bakersfield, but I think it's like that. It's either county or city. It's like the most conservative, um, but that city is more conservative than Duval County, aka Jacksonville. Biden won that in 2020. Like this, Colorado Springs is like I think he lost it that county, Reno County, by like 16 or 17 points. It is like so much further to the right. And for them to elect basically a Democrat, but he ran as an independent, is a much bigger news. And he won by like 13 points than what happened in, in Jacksonville. Not degrading what happened in Florida, because that's important too. But like that was really big news. And I'm glad to see the media is actually paying attention to that. Because like Democrats are overperforming since Dobbs to the polls by about 10 points. That's a huge difference on the polling misses that they've had since the Dobbs decision has happened. But that's it. I'm not going to talk all the time. I'm going to let other people talk. It's, I've been glad to hear everybody. I'm just so full of joy, so full of energy, and that's it. Bye. Well, thank you for bringing the good news. I love it. <laughs>
And uh, with that, uh, we are going to uh, wrap up. Um, oh, Adam, and then we're going to go back to a couple of our speakers that we have before Kim and Mark and Renee is going to wrap us up. And um, I think my co-host is back. So um, thank you guys again for an awesome conversation this Monday. So, um, Adam, how are you today? I've been missing you. I've been missing you, too. Um, uh, bit of a headache, but I wanted to stop in and at least say hello and uh, see how everyone was. And um, I'm on my other account. So, um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're working hard and uh, here, especially in Arizona. Um, it's... Uh, think there uh yeah there's a couple other people in here from az but um yeah so um you know but it's really uh you know the one thing that that, that was correct is all politics are ro local and we know this right and so um you know i just it's been unfortunate to see some, some of the stuff, you know, you know, the news tries to hype us up with this, you know, like everything's wrong, everything's bad. And I'm not going to say that it's not there. There aren't problems, but like, give me some good news every once in a while, like, like throw it in there, you know? Um, but we do. Yes, have to they work want us scared and mad. So exactly. yeah. <laughs> I, I had to unplug. I mean, seriously, unplug. Like, I'm done. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, well, that's not true, actually. I do uh, listen to Rachel Maddow. Uh, other than that, I unplugged. So, well, I, thank you. I'm so glad you came in. And, and yeah, we have, have to do that sometimes because we know that um, they have an agenda and it is not always um, in Rough. our. Uh, interest of uh, in the interest of informing us or their fourth <laughs> estate duties so um we have to do what we need to do to protect our peace and still continue to be informed engaged citizens <laughs> that's and it I'm, i mean yeah and, and it's hard it's not easy you know i mean obviously absolutely you know my my good friend uh that i went to school with uh keeps kind of keeps me up to date so uh Yes, I, I definitely um, watch um, Jeff, like I said. Um, He's on uh, every night now, so. Yeah, I know. And, and it's so funny because it, uh, when I, through, yeah. right, when I watch the weekend shows now, I, I miss him. But I'm glad that I, he's not there on the weekends because he now has that uh, weekday slot. So, so happy yes. for him. And he is one of the journalists that I do um, follow and um trust so yeah. he also uh started a uh, scholarship um for uh where he went to school so um to help i'll out. have to yeah i haven't been on his timeline in a minute um uh, and you know the, all uh, that stuff know doesn't come as much yeah but That's um, what, yeah i can send you some uh info on it if that'd be great yeah yeah sure all right um uh i think you know you know if you're getting ready for the news and you, they have social media managers, etc. And um, but yeah, um, I mean, uh, I would just say that 
we are working very hard and I know there are a lot of people working very hard. I'm just very concerned um, with uh, the guy in Florida. Well, both of the guys in Florida. Forget about it. Um, well, they are doing the most, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I know they're keeping you guys busy. So um, I, my thoughts are, are with you because I know that as in uh, 2022, those in, you know, are the realm of cybersecurity are going to have to really have their um, wits about them and um, be on top of their game. <laughs> so uh, you rest up while you can. <laughs> We're working on it very hard, uh, but uh, I'm just I mean, uh, in in terms of uh, who's running from Florida, I'm I'm saying the people that live there, the governor and the past. Yeah, yeah, I got person. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, uh, it, it I mean, unfortunately, um, a voting machine can be. I don't like to say this, but it's it's not hard to get into a voting machine. Um, and, um, you know, uh, you know, Carl, um, he was at DEF CON and uh, I think it took them less than like six minutes to uh, enter into a machine and change the votes. So... And then we have to worry about foreign adversaries, etc. So and now we have AI on the scene. So yeah, we have a lot going on. And uh, but um, you know, uh, there's a lot of good people in this field, and very honorable, and um, I would say um, ethical and moral people uh, that try to do their best. You know, uh, we work tirelessly. Um, and, um, but, you know, I, I mean, it, it's either going to be DeSantis or 45. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, on it's that going side, to... on, on that side, I'm saying, yeah, as it's... I'm, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Trump is he is going to be the one they're, they're making sure of that. So. Um, I am going to have to uh, wrap up. I, I had a yeah, closing speaker, I but I lost her. But I'm so oh, glad shoot. that you came in. Yeah, uh, I had to. I had to. Okay. I was here well, last Monday, too. Um, yeah, I'm always and, watching. You know that. I know that you are. I do. Uh, and um, I appreciate that. We're just going to have to, you know, um, touch base and, and, and catch up, um, give each other yeah. a call, but take take yeah, care. Sure. And yeah. And, um, you know, get get your rest because, you know, uh, we need you all the time, but you know what you're facing and we're going to be facing um, in election time. So I, I'm glad to know that there are people like you and Carl out there uh, fighting yeah, a good fight for I us mean, in that area. <laughs> I, I would say that we're already uh, working on it. Um, we already started uh, a while back. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, along with that, comes messaging and uh the right candidates and uh you know um and that's why we have this great community here with people exactly. like uh, uh tip and renee and, and you Gigi formed who... a phenomenal community 
safety. Yes. Well, I mean, I think it, it formed organically because it's like uh, we we all like were part of groups and, 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 and teams and, and things. And then we kind of came together. So um, I love this community that we, you know, happen to, you know, um, you know, find uh, ourselves in and, and a part of. And um, I think that it is going to uh, continue to grow. Um, and make a difference. And I think it has made a difference. And I think we're, you know, we're continuing to make a difference because we have change makers in here, people who are doing the work and it matters. And Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam. Um, uh, I am uh, glad to hear from you today and I'm going to move to. Um, well, thanks for uh, uh, bringing me up uh, so quickly. I really appreciate that. And uh, always, <laughs> and, but you know, I always, like I said, or you know, so. Um, yes, I know you got my back. I appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> always. All right. Um, so up next, um, Kim. And... you. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Uh, up next, we've got Kim and then um, Mark and then Renee and Soul Sister. We're going to close out. And thank you guys once again for an awesome conversation today. I've had some great people in that I haven't seen in a while. And I um, am so glad uh, that you were able to be a part of our conversation today. So, Kim? Um, hi there. So one of the things I did want to bring up that was good news, but it's not over yet. Uh, is how uh, the latest uh, fishing expedition by uh, Jim Jordan blew up in his face with, it, with his whistleblowers being uh, um, publicized that they were basically being paid by Cash Patel. I um, know. <laughs> and, and that there, were they really whistleblowers or the people you know who basically should be in jail for what they did? And you know, one of them, for example, downloaded information. It was the reason why Chelsea uh, Manning and uh, Reality Winner are in prison. They were doing <laughs> that with data. And also giving interviews to Sputnik newspaper, which is a Russian government-owned uh, company. They, he refused to uh, prosecute or, or investigate um, one six uh, 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 insurrectionists. So you know he got liar for just cause. And then you know the thing is they're not going to stop at this. So we got to be vigilant about it. The one good thing is Dan Goldberg, Goldman is on the uh, <laughs> on the uh, committee, and he was. I mean, first, I know, I love yeah, it. I, and he was one of he was the first uh, impeachment uh, counsel for the Democrats, and he's since been elected in uh, New York. And you know he's an actual prosecutor. And uh, back when they were doing this against Hillary Clinton with Benghazi, and they still found nothing. And it wasn't until she, they found out she held she saved her emails in a weird way that eventually Ivanka and uh, uh, Jared Kushner was also doing, uh, which wasn't a problem for them then. Um, that became the issue because they couldn't find anything on actual Benghazi. But back then he had Trey Gowdy, who was an investigator, but now he's on Fox News. He's not a, con a congressman anymore. So it's just Jim Jordan, the former wrestling coach slash pedophile um, uh, apologist, uh, trying to take yeah. on <laughs> renowned counsel and prosecutors who have, you know, to, and, and being blown up every time because he gets shown for what his motivating factors are. But that's good news. Um, but I wanted to follow up Tiff's gone about but, uh, how um, – you know, when Republicans do this, this whole charade during the debt ceiling, because they want the media to report like as if they are the fiscally responsible ones. 
you know, this is part of their charade. But we know they're not. But the media doesn't report on it. It makes them look like, well, we're just trying to be fiscally responsible. We care about debt. And we put, look at the Democrats over there just spending money like crazy. And you know, they didn't have a problem with the debt under Trump. They didn't under Bush. They passed seamless, you know, hands, you know, no, no strings attached uh, debt ceiling uh, advancements. They didn't care about that. No, because when Democrats spend money, they spend it on health care and on infrastructure and on, on you know, reducing inflation and creating jobs, things that actually help multiple, you know, millions and millions of Americans. And that's why they don't want, they want to stifle that. They want to, you know, they want, <laughs> one of the conditions is to undo the, the Inflation Reduction Act. It, you know, that's, that's a non-starter. It got passed in the law. If they're interested in passing their severe draconian budgets, pass them. You had two years under Trump to do it. Why didn't you do it? Because then you would have to own it. And so the media, and that's why Biden was smart for what Biden did, media reports what the Kevin McCarthy says as gospel, and they, he doesn't, they don't check his facts. So it was Biden who had to say, say to them, hey, I had a budget. He doesn't. He's saying 12% across the board. Okay, that, is that everything? You can't be sitting there talking about, oh, we want to protect the borders. Well, then 12% means 12% cut to border patrol, 12% cut to seniors, 12% cut to veterans. So what specific things do you want to cut? And he doesn't give a budget. And the media doesn't do a good job of because it allows them to have this histrionic you know, drama about how we're the responsible ones and you just keep spinning out of control. And we, we do need a message that we need to push back, tell them that they are the moocher states. They're the counties that are moocher counties. 70% of the GDP in the United States um, is, is counties that have voted for Biden. He, his support, 70% of the people of the GDP in the United States are the counties that voted for Biden. 30% is everybody else. So we are the ones who make money. We are the ones who pay taxes. We are the ones who prop up these Republicans and their failed to trickle down economic philosophy. And, and when it doesn't work, we're funding their states every year. And when the Republicans run the economy in the, in the, in the ground, we fund it again when we have to clean up their mess and we get two years to do it. So that's what's why they do this, because it makes them. And to this day, there are people. Many people think the Republicans are the fiscally responsible ones because they have these little shenanigans every single time. John Boehner did the same thing. Newt Gingrich did the same thing. Right. They like they're the ones who are responsible, and they're not. And so it's the media and the collective social media's job to push back on that narrative because it really is it's bullcrap, and that's why they do it, because they think it, get, it buys them brownie points when the facts belie reality. Exactly. And that that is what we're here to continue to do, because we know the truth. And um, oftentimes people who are not politically uh, engaged and informed may be swayed by some of this, but it's it's not new what they're doing. They continue to do it. We know that um, uh, Democrats are the ones who uh, end up having to come in and, and clean up after their, um, you know, uh, disastrous uh, economic um you know, mess. And again, uh, it, it's pretty much like many of the mantles that they have tried to take on, like Christianity, patriotism or whatever. And um, these are not uh, like really indicative 
you know, of uh, their behavior and, and who they are. Quite the opposite, actually. So uh, I appreciate you coming and joining us today, bringing some great information and facts. And we, we continue to, um, you know, talk about how the media is failing and, and what we can do to counter that and uh, call out um, the antics that they're doing and, um, you know, call it for what it is, call a thing a thing. So I appreciate you so much. And up next, we've got Mark and then Renee and Soul Sister. And we're going to close out and uh, start um, uh, this great week ahead. Hey, so uh, Dee, I, I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to listen to everybody. I, I, I love these spaces. I love Gen Democracy First. I'm glad I found you uh, almost a year ago now. And I'm glad that I'm able to participate at a level I'm able to participate and also just listen to people and learn more than I knew before I came in every single time you have these spaces. So I appreciate you. Um, I wanted to emphasize um, specificity for proposals for uh, responsible gun ownership, gun control, background check, and also practical steps that we can ensure uh, to make sure we have safer communities. But also I wanted to correlate that um, to re reproductive rights, as I was talking about earlier about the constitutional shift and, and how they're testing. Essentially, we have to be specific and voice our support, even when we talk about reproductive rights. We have to emphasize women's health care rights as well as reproductive rights through courts and emphasize that individual rights and liberty are, the, are like the same folks that fought for individual rights and liberty at the creation of our nation. It's very important that we think about it like that and frame our politics and our, excuse me, politic like that. Um, because, you know, once we were on the Bill of Rights as black people and as women, it's like we were on the Bill of Rights as black people, as women, when it was written. We're not secondary citizens when it comes to the Bill of Rights of rights hey, that white Mark, men have uh, Mark, the Bill of check, Rights. Check check your mic. Uh you're starting to fade out just a little. Can you hear me now? Can you hear yes, me now? Yes, that's better. Okay. Yes. Once once we were once we got the protection of the Bill of Rights. It's like we were on the Bill of Rights. Once black people and women got the protections of the rights of every citizen in America, it's like we were originally written into the original Constitution. We're not second thoughts anymore, and we can't, we got to stop thinking like we were. So it's so like Kamala, and it's the same thing to what she talks about. She says the same thing that I'm saying to you. We can draw inspiration from the founding fathers. We don't have to agree with them or even like them. We can draw inspiration from them who fought for their own liberty. They believed in individual choice and autonomy like women do now. They believed it was important to them to fight for that and fight a war for it and win one. Democracy, like our Constitution, is a living, moving thing that requires active interpretation and participation. And I mean the participation part. 
can't wait and see what the Supreme Court does. Can't wait and see what Renee says. Can't wait and see what D does. Can't wait and see what Tiff posts. We gotta keep on moving. Can't wait and see what Geechee, the, the one of the best historians on Twitter, what he teaches us about what we should already know because history should already teach us that lesson. Can't wait and see anymore. Our democracy is too sensitive and too valuable to risk waiting and seeing anything. So thank you for letting me join. This is an important discussion that we've had. And we have to keep on pushing forward and make a difference. And I always try to tie the constitutional aspect of this and educate in a pedagogical way, but also like join with like my friends, Renee, Tiff, and Geechee, and Dee, and like have a unitary message that we have to participate in this democracy. Because like the Constitution, it's a living thing, not a passive thing. So thank you, Dee. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Mark. And, and you're absolutely right. It is. Um, it is a living thing. And every generation must be working to perfect it and to uh, improve on it and to help, um, you know, create that um, beloved community that um, the great uh, civil rights uh, icons of the past, uh, like um, John Lewis and, and Martin Luther King, uh, spoke about and, and you know, fought for. So um, it is a continual work and it, it requires all of us to do that work. And I am so honored and happy to know that I have people like you guys who are, um, you know, in the trenches working with me and understand what's at stake and um, are committed uh, to the work. So thank you, Mark, for being a part of that. Thank you for, um, you know, helping to keep us uh, updated and um, tuned into the legal um, le uh, aspects of things that are going on to help us have a better understanding of it and just appreciate you so much. I feel like we're getting, you know, access to uh, free um, college courses uh, when you come in and speak. And I, I do appreciate it and I don't take it for granted. So thank you so very much. And uh, up next, we have another awesome um, member of our community who is going to close us out today. And I'm so glad that she um, has um, time to to hang out with us today and has agreed to do that. And that is um, Renee and then uh, my fabulous co-host. <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks for inviting me to, to close out. I, I, um, I guess I'm just going to echo what you guys are saying that... Uh, you know, we do have a great community here and really within our community, uh, everybody here, we kind of have mostly everything covered. You know, it's so funny because at times uh, people will post on our accounts, you know, y'all think y'all know everything. <laughs> and we don't individually, but as a collective, we really do have a lot covered um, and we listen to each other. You know, I'm not going to uh, pretend that I know everything about things that are all things legal, even though I follow it, you know, very, very religiously because I am committed to Trump, um, you know, answering for all of his crimes. But, you know, even in following it, 
I'm going to, I'm going to bug Mark. I'm going to be in Mark's DMs and say, Hey, did you see this? What do you think? You know, and I'm going to listen to him because I know that he is dedicated to understanding his field and to really reading and listening. Why are you laughing? <laughs> but reading and listening um, to see what's going on, you know, and to really be able to explain that, not just to me, but to others, you know, he can really break it down. And I appreciate that I can do that. I appreciate that I can come to this, this space on Monday when you host it and listen to a lot of other people who will teach me about things that I don't know about. And that, again, we listen and we hear each other well. And I think that we take you know, we respect uh, the perspectives that each of us have and we respect that, you know, we know what we're talking about because we know that that person is going to be thorough, you know, regarding, you know, this certain thing. Um, and I do want to shout out Geechee, actually, because um, Geechee, he didn't brag about it. And I'm careful to uh, compliment him because, you know, he's so obnoxious. <laughs> but... I do want to compliment Gucci. Um, is that feedback that I'm hearing? I'm sorry. Sorry. Got it. Um, I want to compliment you, Gucci, because Gucci is the one who basically who said that our best chances to get um, a black woman in the Senate was Maryland and um, and Delaware. And it's, I mean, here we are. He's the one who said that. <laughs> He's a prophet, and he said it. Well, he knows his stuff, and he said it years ago. And he kept saying it all while people were, you know, throwing their hands up. Even when we, you know, he helped, he, you know, we all dug in for about Demings and Sherry Beasley. And it, as I said earlier, it's, it's heartbreaking that we weren't able to get a black woman in the last cycle. Um, but he was saying it then. He's like, that's still our best shot. But, you know, let's let's see what we can do this time. And so, you know. It, we always talk about how we don't always get along, you know, we fight, whatever, at times. But it's, you know, you always have to put that to the side because at the end of the day, again, it's about people who, you know, connecting with people who know their stuff, you know, and being able to kind of look past all of that stuff and, and to connect to, to what people's strengths are and what they're telling you. Um, because so much of the things that we've worked hard for and the things that have been predicted or just kind of forecast, I won't even say predictable, really forecast in this community, we've seen come to fruition on a certain level. Um, Tiff, you know, Tiff is going to do her homework, you know, and I think that for me, I know I can trust you guys because, you know, we're, I'm in like several DM chats with a lot of you all. And I, I know that you're doing your work. Like, I know that, you know, Tiff and, and Tony Moonbeam are going to put together charts and they're going to track judges. You know, I know sister's going to do her research. I, I know people in here are going to do their homework. So no one is really talking out of the side of their neck. People are really invested in what's going on and they're they're doing their work so that's why we can trust it and that's why we've been able to see a lot of this stuff come to fruition um it's because you know the people are really paying attention and so i'm grateful for this community we have a, a, still a lot of work to do there's a lot that is going on right now that is absolutely bonkers i mean our world is crazy right now there's so many unprecedented things going on there's a lot of scary things going on there's a lot of people that are in danger there's the the threat of um the threat of authoritarianism is real what's happening in florida is very real what ron DeSantis is doing is very dangerous to a lot of people and so we don't want to ever downplay that 
Um, but in, in through all of that, we can still find moments of hope um, and try to find moments of lightness and try to be, you know, stronger for, for, you know, our brothers and our sisters who are in those states and who are really suffering, you know, figure out ways that we can support them while they're kind of going through this because everybody can't just up and leave. I mean, the NAACP, I think, just issued a warning for traveling to Florida. But, you know, I mean, yeah, but people already live in Florida, right? So and they can't just up and go. So we, you know, that state, you know, they've got Ron for a while longer, but I just hope that things become more and more uncomfortable for him. And I hope that he continues to get sued because uh, litigation, I think, um, will will hit him where it hurts. And right now, because he's governor, it's probably the only option that we have that and embarrassing him because, you know, he'll eventually announce his run for president. And I do think that he has a very, very short temper and a, um, a really uh, wounded ego. So that'll be fun. But um, but anyway, you know, like I said, we, we've got a great community here. And, you know, I think just, you know, especially with all the talks about, you know, defaulting and all that good stuff. I mean, we have to really watch it carefully. We've got about a week. I think um, I think Yellen has been saying that kind of around June 1 is when it really needs to happen. We don't have an official, like, cutoff date. No, she, no one has set a date, but June 1st is really the day that she's kind of saying, hey, we kind of need to have this in order. And so, you know, McCarthy is aware of that and he is putting on a show. He's a really bad actor in, in, in multiple ways. Um, and so we should keep our eye on it. Um, I am not at the point, though, where I am freaked out about it because we know what media manufacturing looks like. And this is what it is. I um, mean, like someone said earlier, the media always kind of covers for Republicans when it comes to the economy. They're always going to do the media has done that since I was a kid. And I mean, that you know, we're going back to the 80s. So they're going to do that no matter what. Um, and the only way that that we can come back that is the way that we normally do, basically by cursing them out on, on this app. And um, I'm going to. I'm probably going to be trolling McCarthy in his mentions all week. And I suggest that all of you all do that. It's very cathartic. I'm just saying. Um, it's, it, it really it will clear up your skin. Like, it's really fun. And you can just call him stupid or whatever or post actual facts, you know, in his replies because he's playing a game and he knows he's playing a game. This man wanted to be speaker. And I actually posted, I think, either I posted last week, you know, people forget you know, McCarthy went to Mar-a-Lago like a couple of weeks after January 6th. To kiss the exactly. ring. He sure did. And people forget that. He went right down. He that. went right there. And I, I know for a fact that, you know, he's like, oh, we want to make up for things, blah, blah, blah. No, you went down there because you wanted, you know, they wanted to make a deal. Trump doesn't make friends. He makes deals. He said that out of his own mouth. So you went down there to get his support because Kevin has always wanted to be speaker. And he knew that that opportunity might be coming up at the next cycle. And so they made a deal and he owes his speakership to him because of every, you could, I mean, the, the 15, you know, votes that went forward, you saw all of the dissension. So he owes that seat to him and Trump has been posting nonstop about not wanting this deal to happen. And so, you know, the show is, is for Trump's base and it's really for Trump, but I don't, I am not yet, worried that he is going to do it i do think that like tiff is missing her timeline he's gonna act like you know it's impossible it's impossible 
And then once the deal is made, they're going to claim just as Biden is going to say, you know, we did what we had to do or, you know, we we won or whatever. He's going to try to make it look like he didn't cave because he's trying to save face. But so at this point, I don't think we have much to worry about. And, um, you know, but just keep an eye on it. And like I said, just fact check him and and fact check the media because they're always going to help paint the picture that makes the Republicans look like, you know, they're in the right light. I mean, imagine trying to make Kevin McCarthy look like a competent politician (laughs) like that's just hysterical anyway. This is a great space, a great, another great Wendy and Soul Sister. So, you know, thanks, like I said, for letting me come up and close out. And with everything that's going on, everybody, you guys stay positive and understand the power of your accounts. Um, Like Dee mentioned earlier, some of the young people saying that they do look to some of our accounts for information is really inspiring. And honestly, it's humbling. Um, A lot of us have bigger accounts now, but it did not start out that way. I, you know, I had several hundred followers for years before I started really talking about politics. And so if you had told me that, you know, I kind of would, would be um, doing what I'm doing right now, I probably would not believe, (laughs) believe you then um, if that's what you said. And so, and I'm just one little person that just shares my opinion. And sometimes I'm silly and sometimes I snap at people, you know, but I care about my democracy. And so every single person in this room is capable of you know of doing the same and of reaching people and it doesn't matter if it's like 30 people or 300 people or three people that you talk to and you're able to change their mind or change their vote about or change their perspective about it that's worth it that's how we get it done that's how we all get it done because it's going to take every single one of us to get this done because the the powers that we're fighting that you know this what I call the stench of Trump because America has its own stench, but Trump has incentivized it in such a way that it is, it's not, it's not sustainable. And so in order to, to get that out of our stream, out of our our mainstream and our bloodstream, it's going to take each and every one of us. And it's going to take several cycles to root it out. We have the advantage now um, because he has been indicted. He's going to be indicted again, at least I hope another two times. And and his base, it has been uh, depleted because even the people who still support him are not, you know, some of them are realizing that he may not be the guy because it's just too much division. So the party is splintered. And so we we have the opportunity that we need in order to go in and do what needs to be done. And we just have to stay focused. Um, so, you know, it, like I said, it's, it's a lot that's going on that's wrong. But even within that, I'm hopeful and we just need to continue to use our voices and to support one another when we get tired um, and keep going. And that's it. Everybody have a, a great week. Uh, beautiful message and great words of encouragement. Thank you so very much again, Renee. So very much. Uh, and with that, I am going to go to my fabulous co-host and um, give her an opportunity to uh, have some final uh, words and uh, share some final thoughts with you. Well, I have to say that Gigi must have talked up some good news because um, as as he was getting finished speaking, I saw something come across uh, my timeline from Gretchen Whitmore and she signed um, the extreme risk protection order. I, I think I'm saying that right. Where basically if... Um, if you already know or if you have some kind of idea that uh, there are fire 
arms in the hands of or the homes of um, someone who might harm themselves or others, you can report it and um, have those have those removed from the home so yes there's a lot of scary things going on and 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 like so many have said we have to um we have to uplift the 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 messages that are positive and, and where we do see good things happening um and we do see democracy at work so thank you Gretchen Whitmore for um signing that into law today that just came across my timeline so I, I I it's it's hard to follow um people like Renee and Geechee and Mark and even Shantizi I you know I I was I was not in a place where I could exactly hand clap her as much as I wanted to but um it's um the, the eloquence and uh the breakdown of what needs to be said and needs to be heard is um, what makes this this room and this space very special in this community. Oh, you know, Tiff is my girl, so I'm always listening to that. Um, I see it a lot, and I tweet it a lot, and that's what I um, and and I hope that we all are encouraged by uh, the information that they give us and gather for us and. Um, you know, we just have to make sure that when we're out here battling, I'm I'm not the best receipt giver, but I know where to send people. I know who to turn to and I know who to steal information from and retweet and put it someplace else. Um, and, I, and I hope we are all doing that type of homework in the midst of this. I think it's a shame that this country has allowed um, the Republican Party to have so much power over market manipulation, which is basically what they're doing every time they they uh, play this game with uh, the debt ceiling. Uh, and it, whether it's for their own benefit or um, to the detriment of uh, our, our, our communities, because um, it's like they set the tone and I don't know when it started or why it started or why it's always been that way, but it is, and it's a shame and it should be illegal, but that's where we are. So um, let's just all keep our head on a swivel. And um, I'm so grateful to be in this space today as always, and um, to be a part of this community. So thank you. Well, thank you so very much. And we appreciate you. And um, yes, we have some great, um, orators um, in our community. Um, we have um, some very wonderful personalities and they always bring the receipts. So I just encourage everyone to uh, do what you do, be authentic to you, find your passion, your work um, in the area that um, uh, resonates with you because um, we can't all do everything. We can't all be Tiff's or Geechee's or Renee or Kenny's, uh, but but find your passion and uh, dig into it, lean into it and, and share it and we will amplify it. Um, and I feel like in those efforts, um, our community and our country uh, as a whole 
will definitely improve um, and, and our democracy, certainly. So I just, I love all of the um, information that was brought here today, the, the specific and, and the general just uh, uplifting. And um, that's the beauty of this community. And as um, Renee and, and Soul Sister just reiterated, like, I don't know it all. But um, I know a lot of people that I can go to to find out those answers and uh, things that I don't know. So I encourage you all to to follow these great voices and to find out those um, resources that you can count on to keep you informed um, and engaged. And this community is very uh, willing to share uh, information, certainly facts. So if you have questions about things, don't be shy. Um, ask him in the DM or on the timeline. Um, I think that you will get the answers that you need. And I, again, just want to send a big um, thank you um, to everyone who has been part of the space today, those who have participated in the conversation, but those of you who have uh, listened in the gallery. It takes all of us and it matters. I see you. I appreciate you. And I just want to encourage all of you to keep being the wonderful human beings um, that you are and doing the wonderful work that you're doing because it is not um, easy work. Um, it is not um, work that has a, um, like we have a, um, a destination, I guess you could say, but we don't know. There's not a deadline. Um, it is a continual progressive um, thing that we're doing and working to perfect. And it's going to take all of us. Um, the work of our democracy must be uh, fought in every generation. And again, going back to the space that Renee and Chip hosted yesterday, uh, that I can't tell you. Um, how heartwarming that was for me to hear all of those young voices in that space uh, speaking so eloquently and so um, meaningfully about things that matter, things that are going to affect our future and knowing that they are our future and knowing that they are currently engaged in, in this fight. And I want to encourage you all to listen to that space, to follow those young people, to help amplify their messages. Um, and I have extended an open invitation to them to join us here in advocacy arena. Um, and I am looking forward to learning more from them because I think Renee mentioned it when she was in the space. It's not, um, we can learn from each other, you know, and just because um, age does tend to bring about um, some wisdom, it doesn't mean that you stop learning and it doesn't mean that you aren't able to learn from young people. And I certainly learn things from them and I hope to continue to learn things from them. And we, I hope um, all will have that kind of open-minded approach, um, the willingness to, to teach and the willingness to listen, to learn, um, and this understanding of us building bridges. It is going to take us building coalitions um, to uh, harness the power 
that we all have uh, to continue to fight for our democracy because there is a really um, big, dark power and network that is working against um, our democracy. And at this point, I can confidently say that the Republican Party has abandoned democracy. Okay, they are just about power. And there is only one party that is interested in um, maintaining, restoring and improving our democracy. And it is only in a healthy, thriving democracy that we are all going to see ourselves um, reach um, our full potential as people and as a nation to be able to enjoy uh, that uh, pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness uh, that we all certainly deserve. So I just want to thank you all again for being here, um, participating in this wonderful conversation with Soul Sister and I today. And I invite you back again next Monday um, to join us again. And uh, please share and retweet the space. And I will leave you with these words from the late great representative John Lewis to keep you hopefully inspired and encouraged as they do me. And that is, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I just want to thank all of you guys for coming and joining us today, uh, getting in good trouble with us and uh, leave you with um, inspiration and encouragement to have a fantastic week um, and uh, keep being great. And I uh, just want to say peace and blessings, and I'll see you in the Twitter streets on the timeline. Take care.